You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to the 42 cast, your ultimate answer for fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I am your host, Nathan, and we have another great podcast topic to talk about this week. For me, this week has been uh, really fun already. Uh, I just had a bunch of people come from out of town. I jokingly say that because I'm not able to go out to many cons, that I have the con come to me. (laughs) And so once a year, I have friends of mine come. They come from all over, really. I've got someone who comes from Michigan, from Indiana, uh, Iowa, uh, Oregon. They all get together. There's about eight of us, and we just play D&D for Memorial Day weekend. Just straight through, do nothing but that. So it's a year's worth of gaming crammed into three and a half days. So <laughs> Hygiene be damned. That's right. <laughs> well, I mean, we take showers and stuff. I say we don't do anything but, but, you know. Are you uh, are you DMing or are you yeah. playing? Yeah, I, I DM. Nice. So, yeah. So, so that's yeah. That's it's a lot of fun. So I uh, got that out of my system. So you got the D and D hangover. Is what you're saying? Right. Exactly. Exactly. But uh, yeah, why don't I introduce some of those people that are talking right now? First up, he is the guy that introduced me to Turbo Kid. He absolutely loves comics, and that is my friend Eric. How are you doing, Eric? I'm hanging in there. Just got out of work, and there's a thunder and lightning storm again. No. What is your problem? (laughs) Why is it always you? (laughs) If you have to drop out again, that's going to (laughs) suck. No, this time it'll just happen out of of nowhere. There will be no warning. (laughs) Oh, okay, yeah. If it happens. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Well, at least least you've warned us so that if you do just disappear, you know, it won't be too strange smoke bombs run back part ninja (laughs) wait what do you mean we're not doing this in person i ruined the illusion (laughs) yes the 42 cast studios where everybody meets um so uh, anything uh new happened since the last time we talked eric uh absolutely nothing no (laughs) all right well uh it's good to have you back it is good to be back all right and next up, you know her from Earth Station Who? You know her from Earth Station MCU? She absolutely loves the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and that is Jennifer. How are you doing, Jennifer? I am doing excellent tonight, sir. So, anything new and exciting happened to you since the last time you were on the show? Um, well, I, I apologize for, for having to bow out on, on one. Um, I, uh, for the month of May, I was taking part in an academic ritual I had never experienced before, which is called Maymest. Mm. And it's when you attempt, uh, and in my case, succeed, to do an entire semester's worth of work in three weeks. <laughs> I've taken a Maymester class before, but mine was great. It was the history of the world through film. Ooh, that sounds cool. Mine that was, was, very fun. was 
<laughs> second language pedagogy mm. about about basically teaching uh, teaching ESL. But it was it was fun, and I, I definitely learned stuff. But uh, that is all I thought about for three weeks solid, and I am so happy to have my brain back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet that's a good feeling. <laughs> It is. What were you saying, Ryan? Well, I was going to say something, but then it occurred to me you hadn't introduced me. So, but uh, I was just going to say that I've I've also done the Maymester. For me, it was uh, organic chemistry, and oh, I that, That's the yeah, worst. yeah, it was fun. But I, I find that you don't. Re- it's like binging TV. You don't. I don't think you retain as much. Yeah, uh, when yeah. you do it all all that fast. I'm sure someone's done a study on that. Probably so, someone. But you get it over with. <laughs> Yep, exactly, exactly. So, so I'm, uh, I'm happy to have one be one class closer to being Doctor Jen. Yeah, that'll be cool, and that'll be like a whole podcast identity for you too, Doctor Jen. It, it will. I'll, you know, it, I'll, I'll be able to join the illustrious ranks of, you know, people like Doctor Geek, which is, which would be pretty awesome. It's a long way off, though. I'm doing it part time, so it's going to take me, you know, a few years longer than forever to finish it. <laughs> Yeah, my uh, history, it was history of the ancient world through film. And the only reason it's memorable for me is that at the end, we got to do like a five minute movie, pl- like like our version of like something. And we did Mark Antony and Cleopatra. Nice. And we, we did it as like an offbeat comedy. <laughs> and it was just so much fun. And we just had the right group where, like, everybody had, like, certain skills. Like, the prop, the girl who was doing props was, like, super great at doing props. And mm-hmm. uh, we had, like, an IT guy on our team. So he was using all the multimedia equipment in the uh, right. in, in the in the classroom. So he was, like, you know, like, controlling, like, the overhead projector and giving us backgrounds and stuff. And, you know, it was just it was just a lot. Because we, we played it as I was Mark Antony. And he was completely clueless about Cleopatra was coming on to him nice. and it was this <laughs> it was this whole thing it was just really funny <laughs> but uh anyway so yeah i have fond memories of my may master class but it was definitely a hey this sounds like fun i'm gonna take this class kind of class rather than something i needed to take so <laughs> yeah th- this was a i have to take two classes over the summer to finish on time mm. and this one looks less terrible than the other options <laughs> so <laughs> Well, we're glad that you can join us now, Jen. Thank you. You're welcome. And that last voice you heard, and needs no introduction, of course, but I'll give him one anyway. He is the person that is wrong about everything that he talks about on this show. (laughs) That is my nemesis, Ryan. How are you doing, Ryan? Yeah, I still demand uh, theme music if you're going to keep going to introducing me that way. What's the unlicensed elevator music equivalent of the Imperial March? Yeah, you, <laughs> Damn. You're, you're the uh you're the negaduck to his darkwing duck ah yes that's perfect <laughs> i'll take that <laughs> I, i'd say the the uh, what was uh scrooge mcduck's the irish uh duck. oh, oh, oh blow oh, blow blomberg yeah, blam blomberg? blam something right yeah yeah something like that yeah i, I wanted I to say blowfell just... but i immediately knew that was wrong <laughs> his, his accent is 10 times sillier than a than than his too right but uh if we go that route i get to be scrooge but mm. uh, except you know without the money right. um, yeah. <laughs> wait a minute <laughs> wait wait you just want to be david I, i'm the tennant. good guy in this scenario i would be scrooge <laughs> no he just wants to be david tennant mm. oh, yeah, don't, we all. Yeah. don't we all don't we all 
And the best villains always think they're the good guys, Nathan. Ah, oh, very true. Oh, <laughs> so, anything? Well, uh, unless, unless your name's Ada, and then you're just fully insane. Right, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> but Ryan, uh, anything new and exciting happened to you since the last time you were on? Oh, lots new and exciting, but I'll just keep it to the the entertainment related. I guess I've I've been spending the past two days binging, alternating between Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt and House of Cards since both the new seasons dropped which has created sort of a weird mentality in my head Mm -hmm. uh, going back between those two but i'm loving it have you seen hank azaria's new show yet anybody Mm -mm. oh the one the sportscaster one yeah yeah it's actually really good and i'm not a baseball guy at all but it is really good Hmm. it's it's him and amanda pete are the uh pretty much main cast members Uh, it's just too much good tv out there I have fond memories of Hank Azaria from Herman's Head and Mystery Men. Nice. Oh, he's so good in Mystery Men. He's yes. really the best. <laughs> but if you think about it, it really makes sense. You know? Whatever company made Herman's Head, though, really ought to sue Disney for Inside Out because, you know, that whole that whole concept was from that show. But anyway. So, so Ryan, out of curiosity, have you seen the new Mystery Science Theater 3000 yet? It is on my list but no i haven't caught up with it yet i still haven't mm. finished i finally finished arrow and flash and uh i'm still got one episode of supergirl left to go so mm. i'm getting there <laughs> i'm i still got like three episodes of legion i i got a uh, kind of a backlog going right now and of course so what do i do in that case i start binging new shows that just <laughs> drop <laughs> you know what you know what's crazy though what? talking about mystery science theater is um so i'm all um i'm almost done with the star crash episode no mm-hmm. actually i just finished the star crash episode you know the perfectly legal copy that was up on YouTube? I'm not being sarcastic. It was actually a legal copy. <laughs> okay, no, I don't. Uh, it got taken down by Netflix. Hmm. Because Aww. it was suddenly in a Netflix. Yeah, production. because it was suddenly, you know, a Netflix episode, so it got taken down by Netflix. Hmm. Mm. I've been enjoying it so far. I'm not done with it, but nice. I've seen the first four or five episodes now. And uh, it certainly it certainly does justice for the Mystery Science Theater 3000. I was really worried when I heard that they were bringing it back with new people because I was afraid that they would tone down the humor too much because, you know, a lot of the things that were in Mystery Science Theater are a little, you know, the, they, they, there's humor that might offend people. And I'm like, in this day and age, nobody wants to right offend people. anyone. Right. <laughs> Well, behind yeah. the scenes, when you have Dan Harmon, Justin Roiland, obviously Joel, and like you have a crap ton of big names attached mm-hmm. to the writing alone on the on the reboot, so it's it's crazy. Mm-hmm. And I mean, from my still my favorite my favorite thing in the whole show so far is that cryptos, cryptozoology um, rap that they did. I love that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I've been enjoying it and hope that I keep hearing that it just gets better and better and better. So I'm looking forward to watching the rest of that. But, yeah. of course, Mystery Science Theater 3000 isn't like a short investment yeah, you know, and uh, show. You can't really, <laughs> and you can't really be spoiled on it, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some shows, uh, yeah, well, like you, you, Nathan, you do your periodic reviews on Facebook. So I've kind of been avoiding your Facebook <laughs> for a week or two now. Hey, I put spoilers <laughs> up on all of it. <laughs> You do. Are you saying you don't have the self control not to click the you know read you know? I think that's what he's saying. I think that's what he's saying. saying, (laughs) I'm saying you or someone else might make a comment and that might show up beneath it or something like that. I take this seriously, okay? (laughs) Right. right. (laughs) Oh well, uh, yeah, we'll be talking about a lot of TV. I think coming up, Ryan. 
<laughs> I think so. <laughs> and I'll tell you why you're wrong. All right. <laughs> and of course, you'll be wrong yourself, so it'll be okay. <laughs> All right, well, um, now that we've introduced everyone, it's time to go on to five questions. Uh, since everyone here has already been on an episode before, I don't need to explain it to you, but I will explain it to the people at home who might just be listening to this episode as their first one. Five questions is a little thing that we do just to sort of loosen up before the podcast. Uh, it gives you a little insight into things that we like or don't like. Um, I have a random number generator that spits out five random questions, um, and they usually only have, well, they always only have one, one of two possible uh, answers, even though Eric cheated last time, but... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, are, you, are you sure Ryan's the nemesis? I feel like I argue with you a lot when I'm on. <laughs> no, it was just that one five questions thing. But um, he wouldn't choose between Marvel and DC. Yeah, because <laughs> both have their good points. Unless we're talking the movie universe, in which case there's only one. There's supposedly so far only good, one good uh, DCU movie, and we're all excited to see it. So. <laughs> All right, but uh, so yeah, so it uh, keeps us um, from wandering too far off topic, and uh, you know, gives gives no, everyone. No, it doesn't. <laughs> Don't lie. <laughs> well, that's the that's the intent, anyway. <laughs> All right, without without further ado, oh, uh, let's go, uh, Jen, then Eric, then Ryan. You're going to read. Do you pick a Kindle or a book? It depends. Um, I'll, I'll go ahead and say uh, a Kindle, um, assuming it's something that I am reading for fun. Uh, I find that, that I have much worse retention of what I read when I'm reading a Kindle. Um, I, uh, I, I uh, am, you know, if it's, if it's something where I need to remember it, uh, I am much more likely to want to have it on paper. But on the other hand, I have gotten very used to reading on screen since I restarted graduate school because ain't no one going to print all that stuff that, that uh, you have to, to read that's, you know, all the journal articles and everything. So... I'm I'm getting used to it again. I was always worried that I was going to like end up like having like uh, my eyes like you know gr grow inside my head, and I was going to get like sallow white skin and everything, and it's going to be like this bug-eyed thing because I don't like looking at screens. It, it does weird things. It makes my eyes twitch after too long. Well, I've, I've got the uh, the the um, you know the the special colored light on it that's supposed to be easier mm. on your eyes, but but even so. Yeah, it, 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 it makes you cross-eyed after a while. But, like I said, if it's if it's something that I'm just reading for fun, uh, then on a Kindle is fine. Uh, it's slightly hypocritical because I read all my comics digitally on my uh, tablet nowadays, but nothing can be uh, having a physical book in your hands. Yeah, I guess to, to echo to a certain degree, if there's graphics involved, if I need to look at charts or there's something colorized, it's going to be either like a, a, a tab... A, color monitor or the actual paper but if i'm just reading like a straight up novel uh, it, i prefer the the kindle the original kindle you know with the paper graphics mm, paper white yeah paper white <laughs> all right yeah for me uh nothing beats a book totally agree with eric on that one i want real pages i want paper might be a little less portable but i usually buy pocket-sized paperbacks anyway so they're usually portable enough for anything that i need and and it's fine until you have to move 
<laughs> and, well. then, and then you say next time I'm gonna read all this on a Kindle. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that that's yeah, that's true. I, I've got my entire library in my pocket, just about, you know. Mm-hmm. I will still occasionally buy a hardback if it's to complete a collection or if I'm getting an autograph. But otherwise, I save money buying it through the Kindle, and it's just, I think, all in all, more convenient. Yeah, I can certainly see that. All right, second question. Scarier apocalypse, alien invasion or rise of the machines? Hmm, it depends. Uh, I will... I will go with alien invasion. There are there are so many different ways that it could happen for both of them, but I'll, I'll go with aliens because with machines, there, there's a certain amount of predictability. You know that what machines can do, and uh, and and what you can and cannot do in response. And uh, with aliens, you don't know. They, they might also c- c- control the machines. You know, so <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Double threat. Oh no, we're. Robot uprising easily. I mean, you got you got Ultron, you got uh, you got Skynet, you have the Matrix. We we've all seen these movies. No, thank you. No, thank you. I can handle the aliens. I'll go. I'll go. Welcome to Earth, like Will Smith, <laughs> if I have to. But uh, you'll hack them on your Windows ninety five machine. That's oh, right. Like Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Upload a virus from a Mac. <laughs> Well, you know, I for one welcome our new alien overlords. I would have to say, I agree that there's a certain predictability in, in the machine uprising. I agree with Jen there, and it's it's more than that. It's they're they're kind of dumb, I guess. <laughs> Every depiction of the machines, Skynet or whatnot, they they're machines, so they could use biological weapons against humans, and they never do. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they could wipe humanity out at any time, and it just never occurs to them, I guess. I don't know. And then, or in the Matrix, they need humans for energy. Uh, that makes absolutely, there's a freaking sun in the sky above, but they think they can get better power out of our brains. <laughs> no! Well, pres- presumably some different kind of energy, I always assumed. That uh, it's, it's, it's not like literal energy it's you know processing power of some some buy. other flavor but I, I think the machines i think the matrix machines are just pervs and they like <laughs> on our minds damn yeah, they're, they're 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 draining the power of the human heart right <laughs> oh. uh yeah for me i actually think the rise of the machines is worse um i'd be a lot more scared of that because uh, aliens presumably could be reasoned with, at least there's the potential there, but a machine, if a machine gets it into its head that humanity is the problem, there's really no convincing it that, you know, uh, there's another way or, you know, that things can change. Uh, you know, it, aside from, you know, uh, something like uh, Keanu G- uh, Reeves uh, randomly becoming uh, some sort of digital Jesus or whatever, like in The Matrix, I'm still not <laughs> quite sure what, what happened there. But. <laughs> in general! The machine uprising is something you can't reason with, so um, I think that's a, a far worse threat. See, if it was John Wick, Digital Jesus, then I'd be totally cool with it. Because <laughs> he'd actually do something, as opposed to Mr. Oh, I'm he's doing a Superman again. No, no. <laughs> Screw you, movie. Screw Stop it. I know Kung Fu. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Air guitar. That would be so much better. <laughs> See, that's what I think too. If Keanu had played uh, Neo as he, he played Ted from Bill and Ted, I think that the movie would have been far better. There, there's that 
fan theory around that the Matrix is just the future if Wild Stallions hadn't su- succeeded. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that. I love that. <laughs> Headcanon accepted. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> hey, apparently the third one's still happening, so we might see what's going on with them. Yeah, they <laughs> say that like every three to five years and then nothing happens, so we'll see if it happens this time, but I would like it. Alright, third question. Batman needs to make up his mind. Should it be Catwoman or Talia? Ooh. Wait, this is a serious question? Come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, not being someone who reads comics, unfortunately... I mean, it, it, I guess it just it depends on which version you're going with, because some are, are better than others, but I'll say Talia. Okay. It's Catwoman. Come on. Come on. Why, why Catwoman? <laughs> totally, come on. Selena, Selena and, and Bruce are just these weird... It's They're this weird jigsaw puzzle that completes each other. That completes each other. Like, they have... They have... They're damaged people... But the ways they're damaged kind of add to the other person's damage and kind of, kind of help balance off what's what's messed up about said person. It's one of those couples that like opposites attract in the way that is healthy for each other, even though they both kind of support each other's bad habits at moments. But I love I love the two of them. Don't get me wrong. I love Damian Wayne as much as the next person. I know that's a slightly controversial opinion, but I love Damian Wayne. But that doesn't mean Talia. Talia had to drug Bruce in order for Damian to exist. <laughs> that kind of tells you that there's, you know, what's wrong about that relationship as opposed to Selena is just Selena. Mm. But doesn't that's, it that's depend on argument. who's writing it too? Right. Yeah. Was I, that I Adams, by the way? I think that mm-hmm. book was Neil Adams, the original graphic novel. Mm. Was that Neil Adams? I, I, you I think know so, better yeah. than I do, Eric. <laughs> the, the Something of the Demon. I think that's the name of that book. It's Something of the Demon. Mm. And it's like a very late 80s, early 90s thing that Grant Morrison picked up on, and that's how we get Damian Wayne. Mm. It's just like, oh, that happened. I will use that. Uh, yeah, it's. I'm going to go with Selena. i got to agree with Eric on this one. It's. Um, but it's not because she's so much better. It's because, you know the saying, uh, when you marry someone, you're marrying their family. And, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sorry. That's very Talia's good. got too much baggage with the in-laws. So. Yeah, that's, that's valid. <laughs> oh, oh, and I know it has nothing to do with the argument, but uh, I love Lexa. Uh, I forgot how to say her last name as much as the next person, but that... That accent she was doing is Talia. Okay, Mary Poppins much? Anyways. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, well, that's in the Arrowverse. Just to prove that Ollie has completely, like, you know, uh, absorbed all of Batman's, <laughs> you know, sticks. We have Talia show up in Arrow, so. <laughs> no, that was Mary Poppins. That wasn't Talia. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I heard that accent, I'm like, are you Dick Van Dyke all of a sudden? Come on. Damn. Wow. I mean, like I said, be- being someone who is who is primarily a-, a movies and TV person, other than Selena from, from Gotham, there have been so many just terrible Catwoman Ooh. characterizations that I, that's, that's, that was, that was my reasoning, but, um, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll trust you guys because you've got the actual paper. Have you? Have you played the uh, Telltale game? I have not played it yet. Um, Laura, Laura is a fantastic voice for Selena. She does. Cool. She does. I, I'm blanking on her last name right now, but Laura is a fantastic voice for Selena. She does such a great job. And if you if you don't watch it, by the way, um, Nathan, you'd really like Critical Role. It's a it's a D and D show that uh, that is mm-hmm. hosted by Geek and Sundry. 
And Laura's on there with her husband. Yeah, I've heard. Why can't I think of her last name? I, I don't know how much fun it would be to watch other people play. See, I like like the gamers' movies where, as they're playing, you actually see like in their gaming world what's happening, and I like that. But just watching people sitting around a tabletop playing. I was going to say, are you a fan of Matt Mercer? Because if you like Matt Mercer, wait until you see who is probably one of the best DMs I've ever seen in my life. Okay, I, I don't even know who Matt Mercer is. <laughs> oh, okay. Fantastic yeah. voice actor. I highly recommend seeking out his work because uh, he's a great DM, which is why I think you'd probably enjoy the show just for his DM work. But off track completely, she's a fantastic Selena Kyle is all I'm saying. Okay. I believe her name is Laura Bailey. Yeah, Laura Bailey. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I couldn't remember her last name. Yeah, in the 90s, I could name every voice actor that was on every show. I used to play name that voice actor all the time. But, yeah, I I don't... You mean all five of them? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I tell you what, Gargoyles was like a grab bag of every, like, celebrity that exists in the world, so... Uh, That was a lot of fun. Keith David, I love you. Yeah, Keith David, oh god, Keith David, I love him. Gargoyles was the first to do that. Mm. Prior to that, you had, like, professional voice actors. Yeah. Right. But that's the show that got me to start paying attention to who was doing the voices, and that's where I started learning, you know, all the different voice actor names. But anyway, well, it's neither here nor there. Uh, but yeah, for me, um, being primarily informed from the animated material, and I, I will say that I don't think it does matter if you read the comics or not or whatever. It's mm-hmm. just, you know, whatever you consider the primary source, which to me is the animated um, series that we're all interlinked. Uh, back uh, from Batman the Animated Series through Justice League. Um, and uh, there was no chemistry at all between Batman and Catwoman, but Talia, oh, Talia, mm-hmm. Talia. I was watching that show when I was like 12, 13. Oh, man. <laughs> Talia, yeah. Oh, the animated series version of Talia? She was awesome. Yes, yeah, no, yeah. There was that outfit in the Demon's Head two-parter, I'm just saying. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, and that accent, and... Mm, yeah, but anyway, so yeah, I uh, I, I think Batman. <laughs> and, then, and then you get to Batman Beyond and have the most disturbing. Oh yeah, no, 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 we're not bringing that one up. Oh god, <laughs> <sighs> David Warner's mouth voice coming out of that mouth. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> all right. Fourth question: Best George Lucas idea: Star Wars or Indiana Jones? I mean, I gotta say Star Wars, because it's, you know, it, it is so foundational for for everything about the culture of, of our generation. You know, obviously he had some bad ideas later on, <laughs> and obviously it is it is not uh, un- it is not without flaws, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's just, it's, it's the bedrock of our culture. So yeah, Star Wars. Ray Palmer was right. Yes. I, uh, I have to go kind of controversial on this one. Okay. It's sacrilege because I'm a huge Star Wars fan. But while, but while Star Wars was originally heavily based on stuff like Buck Rogers, you have something like Indiana Jones, which felt like much more of a not like original idea, but like a much more focused idea because you're focusing on this single character in his world instead of world building with a huge cast in the Star Wars universe, if that makes if that makes sense. Well, yeah, it's definitely a single character focused series rather than an ensemble. It's a it's a fantastic series until you let uh, Steven Spielberg's wife appear. What? I didn't say anything. <laughs> what are you talking about? Hindi. Shut up. <laughs> 
Dr. Jones. I yeah, I I, I had more of a problem <laughs> with the Jones, fact that Dr. she Jones. screamed every five seconds. But anyway, <laughs> Ryan. You know, I found myself agreeing a lot with Eric tonight. <laughs> I I kind of agree that quality-wise, Indiana Jones is better. But I agree that Star Wars is bigger, has had more of a cultural impact, um, by and large. I think if we if Indiana Jones was wiped from our collective memory, society wouldn't be much different than it is now. But if mm-hmm. Star Wars was gone, I don't know what the world yeah. would be like. So you have to wonder about the sustainability if Tom Selleck had originally played Indy. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been interesting. Yeah. You never know. We never got a uh, screen test as opposed to Back to the Future with What's-His-Name, how we have like, what, almost half a movie? that actually had him doing the role oh, before they uh, replaced him. Eric Stoll. Yeah, Eric Stoll. Mm-hmm. Completely different movie, too. Have you ever yeah. watched any of that footage? I so love weird. Eric Stoltz, but it, it just it just seems so totally wrong for that part. Yeah. I mean, we all blanch at that idea uh, for Indy, but you never know. Sometimes, you know, you think an actor won't work in a certain role and they surprise you, so who knows? Maybe it would have been better. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, you know, this is kind of this is my argument. I don't. I would never pick Channing Tatum as Gambit, but mm-hmm. I I won't voice my disagreement too emphatically because I never would have picked a guy that does musicals as Wolverine. And look <laughs> at this is point. very true. Hey, I love Chan Tates. <laughs> well, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, for, for for me it's Star Wars. I dispute the idea that Indy has better quality because you know it's it, okay. It's a two. It's a two. It's a two out of four ratio of good movies versus bad ones, and Star Wars has a four out of seven ratio of good versus bad. So I'm two really, and a half. Well, I guess Rogue One now credit. too. Two and so a half. I'll, I'll well. give it five out of eight. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I that I don't know because the prequels were so low. I think it drags the average of the entire series <laughs> down <laughs> quite a bit. There's, there's that, and there's the fact that that I I tried to watch uh, Star Wars was on TV the other night, and mm-hmm. I tried to watch it. And uh, I, no, sorry, it wasn't Star Wars. It was uh, Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. And when they got to one of the scenes where they'd gone in and and screwed it up with adding in. Oh other- God and stuff and I was just like I can't watch this I mean they, they they have made it those changes have have made the original trilogy so I cannot watch it well that's why I have the original versions on DVD oh, I got the one fun. very limited release they did of the original oh, versions on DVD bastard. and th- now they didn't improve them I, like as far as like the picture quality it is the same quality as the VHS releases but they hey, did that's fine yeah but they did do a special release where they bundled the special editions with the o- original ones and I, I picked yeah, that you up just throw them away <laughs> <laughs> right right I th- <laughs> the special edition ones are gone, but I still have the original. Yeah, when they were like super on sale, I almost bought them on iTunes, and then I'm like, wait, no, because it's not going to be the it's not going to be the ones that we want it to be. Behave, no, not doing it. <laughs> I do think there's a again getting kind of off subject because that never happens during five right. questions. But uh, there's such a nostalgia factor there. I mean, yeah. if you if you didn't see Star Wars, any of them, be it the prequels or the originals, as a child. Then when you if you want if you're watching it, I've got friends who 
for whatever reason, because they had, I guess, miserable, deprived childhoods, mm-hmm. never saw Star Wars as children, but I made them watch it as adults, or someone else made them watch it as adults. <laughs> I'm, I'm seeing Ryan putting people in, like, full Nelsons, being like, you're staying right <laughs> here! Right? I made, I'm making you watch your eyes open. Yeah. <laughs> but but the, their response has all been the same, which has been, yeah, it's okay. They don't have that love that those of us just saw it as children see but but here's the reason it's it's the same reason that when uh when people see like lord of the rings they're like oh man what a stereotypical elf (laughs) (laughs) it's like well yes because that's the original one that all the future ones come from i think that, that people who are like meh it's okay it's it's because they've because it has so pervaded our culture that they've seen you know the scoundrel and they've seen the ice princess and they've seen the hero and everything like that and so Star Wars just seems like more of the same but in reality everything else is derived now yeah yeah you can you can point out that yes the monomyth and and the hero's journey goes back a whole lot longer than Star Wars but when we're talking about in modern media culture I, I think that that so much of of that kind of story draws from you know is is influenced by Star Wars. So so yeah, people can look at it and go, oh, it's just you know it's more of the same. But that's because everything is copying that. Okay, my my absolute favorite though was when everyone was complaining how derivative John Carter was. <laughs> yeah. You know, written around the no. turn of the century. You know, right. it's so derivative. <laughs> but, anyway. but to Jennifer's point. You don't get that same phenomenon when people watch Indiana Jones as adults, even though there have been, you know, derivations of that th- throughout. Because it hasn't been as culturally pervasive. Well, yeah, and, and and I'm not sure whatever sample size you have, Ryan, is is necessarily uh, scientific here, because you know, <laughs> I would like to put oh, like everything uh, else we've been talking about. All right, yeah, because you, you know, you're saying that you know people don't have the same reaction, but I'd like to see a lot of people who haven't seen Indiana Jones sit in front of it and see if any of them say eh, it was okay. You know, because mm-hmm. I would think the same thing would apply to Indiana Jones that would apply to Star Wars in that case. Because yeah, I mean that's true of anything. If you did, you know, I mean people don't like usually watching movies that are from before they were born. It's just usually the way it is. I didn't like it when my dad would make me watch, like, old, you know, uh, black and white westerns. You know, uh, they, they weren't my thing, but dad thought they were, like, the greatest movies ever. You know, you know one reason, though, that, that, that I think that, that, that I can see why people would say that is that Star Wars has very little humor in it. And Indiana Jones has a lot of jokes that have aged very well. And so I think that that, that makes it a more fun experience to watch and that may be what some people are, are saying interesting i would have never described star wars as a as a movie series that lacks humor i have always said that it's the perfect mix of humor and drama see i just i don't i don't remember like when i'm thinking of the first movie i mean i, th- I think of you know plenty of ah oh, that's funny but i don't think of anything like when india pulls out the the gun and shoots yeah. the the swordsman that, that just like you're like put down laughing so hard yeah star wars humor was almost entirely relegated to c-3po and r2d2 yeah no the entire empire strikes back movie with the back and forth between leia and on is gold it is it is solid gold some good banter (laughs) but you know the entire star wars franchise is not empire yeah so well but fair enough but that's there's a lot of humor in all those movies the curvy crackle has a um 
has a parody slash homage of uh, Baby It's Cold Outside, but it's uh, it's Han and Leia singing it. Oh, Jesus. And obviously the lyrics are quite different. Right. <laughs> are they still as rapey? I was going to no, say, no, is it still no. the date rape song? <laughs> yeah. There's actually a really funny point in the song where um, where she's basically um, inviting Han to stay the night, and she's like, I didn't think I'd have to fight with you, and he'd, he'd be like, I really should stay. Because <laughs> it's basically an argument about going to find uh, Luke, and Luke's he's not okay. Right. And it's, yeah, it's it's pretty funny. Maybe it's Han outside, right? <laughs> yep, no, that's exactly what it is, yeah. <sighs> All right. Uh Moving right along. Uh, <laughs> fifth question. Last question. Whoa. I thought there were only three usually. Five. <laughs> the, the, yeah, five questions only has three questions. Hmm. But uh, <laughs> I'm misremembering. All right. Bring it. How do you self-identify as a geek or a nerd? Uh, as a geek, you know, I, uh, I, I, I have always been into geek culture. Um, I, I certainly, uh, as someone who is working on their doctorate, I guess I would have to own being a nerd. But that's that's not uh, my my uh, my identity, as it were. I always I always mix up which is supposed to be which because I feel like nerd has become more more prevalent of the term for overall nerd and geek culture you know like people are like oh i'm such a nerd really i see it the other way around i I think geek has become like the common term and nerd is used very specifically yeah yeah i've i've heard the the opposite quite recently i don't know why we're being just as scientific as ryan there with his sample (laughs) size (laughs) but anyway yeah how do you self-identify her i don't know like i said probably because i hear nerd more even though Obviously, probably would fall more more geek, but I guess go geek. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, uh, my Twitter handle is Geek Stranger. That's Geek <laughs> Stranger, one word. Yeah, but but yes, but is that an imperative command or is it a, is it a, a compound noun? <laughs> <laughs> it's a what was available at the time. Fair uh, enough. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, I, there's a bit of a pendulum effect there with me. I kind of swing back and forth between the two. Um, I do. I, I agree with Nathan that, in my experience, has been nerd has been kind of more the, I guess, academic side of it, mm-hmm. whereas geek has been more the cultural side of it. But yeah, I think to people who are neither geeks nor nerds, they use those terms interchangeably. See, I think of nerd is also being more pejorative. That's that's like what you accuse someone of being, like oh you're nerd. So so I have I have both the the negative connotation for nerd and the academic, or or brainy thing for nerd. So yeah, well that's one of the reasons why I wanted to bring this up because to me they're both pejorative. I mean when I was growing up, if so, if you were a geek or a nerd, that was a bad thing. You didn't want people oh, saying yeah. those things about yeah. you. Uh, and it's it's so surreal to me to live now where people are saying like I'm a geek, you know, and talking about mm-hmm. geek culture and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, what? What? Why would you say that? Why would you use that term? Why don't you use a different <laughs> term? You know, it's a, you're an enthusiast. What, what term would you use? You're an enthusiast. Uh, I'm a, a science fiction See, enthusiast, like not you, a science you, fiction geek. You know? That sounds like you collect stamps or something. <laughs> 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 a stamp enthusiast. There, there are other words for being I'm like really into something. Enthusiast. <laughs> but uh, now geek is like everything. Like you'd be like a music geek. 
you know, right. and stuff like that, you know, whereas, you know, before geek was only ever used in a pejorative sense, you know, musicians wouldn't use that term, you know, but, uh, yeah, no, it's, 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 it's really interesting to me. I mean, I'm probably, if you go by the definitions, more of a nerd, but yeah, it's like, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it, it's interesting to me, so... Uh, I just wanted everybody's take on it. Back back when we were teenagers, who would have thought that that Weird Al in in the the, the mid you know two thousand teens would have the number one album in the country? Doctor Who would be one of the most uh, famous shows in the world, and all of the top grossing movies would be about uh, superheroes. I mean, no. every network except NBC would be tripping over themselves to keep a genre show on the air. <laughs> no. NBC keeps make sure they have a steady stream of genre shows going <laughs> through at any one time. Right, exactly. They, they, they did leave they did leave Grimm on the air for quite a while. They uncancelled Timeless. And they uncancelled Timeless. Yes. Thank God. <laughs> that was that was the weirdest thing I've ever seen because I've never heard of a show being cancelled and three days later uncancelled. Like the opposite of a damn it berry. Right. <laughs> Oh, well, Rittenhouse has plans for them. I, 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 I feel like the Kripke or whoever, you know, mm-hmm. went to NBC and said, well, Netflix is interested. And then NBC is like, no, no one can have you. but taxis. All right. Well, that's another five questions successfully completed. It's the most enthusiastic one yet. So before we dive into our topic, we're going to take a brief break for a promo from another fine podcast. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. I see the potential for basically like another Netflix kind of paradigm shift where here comes this other major player. They have a ton of resources. Apple could change the way that entertainment is consumed. They say it's the only time this year that you'll have stars from each brand battling each other. And we know it's not going to be the case, but they like to say that and more power to them, I guess. Well, it's a big first step bringing all those superheroes together. There were definitely some parts of the movie that I that I really enjoyed. And then there were some parts that I I thought just kind of fell short of expectation. Part of it has to be something to do with how it's being promoted. And this is a thing where audiences do not agree with critics. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Every week on the Podcast Radio Network and Apple Podcasts. And check out the show today on the ESO Network. And we're back. We're here this week to talk about Marvel's Agents of Hydra, which is a new show that premiered uh, late this season in the time slot that used to be for Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but actually, first, we're going to talk about the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. LMD arc. 
it was a fairly surprising arc to me at least because it seemed fairly straightforward how it was going to go and i thought that they did a very good job of subverting expectations Mm -hmm. multiple times and keeping us guessing about what was going to happen first making it look like it was a very terminator rise of the machines-esque kind of thing which i think would have been interesting if they had gone that route because i didn't think that the movie format uh for age of ultron allowed them to really explore that idea in the marvel universe fully but then they did a, a complete swerve away from that tied really well into the Inhumans and Watchdogs plot. Um, Mm -hmm. We had some bait and switches with Patriot, with director Mm -hmm. uh, Mace, where where I thought that something was going to happen to him that didn't happen, at least in the LMD Mm -hmm. arc. Um, so, uh, you know, there, there was, there was quite a bit going on. There was a lot of things that they were juggling. And I felt like, even though I felt like the, the, the Ghost Rider arc that they had started with, um, all the elements didn't fall together very well. I felt like the rest of the season just really did a really good job of sort of like creating a through line and just weaving together all these disparate elements, um, that they've had floating around for a few years now. And, just wanted to sort of open up here and and ask what you guys thought of the LMD arc. Before talking about the specific story, you know what bothered me pretty much this whole season? What? And it literally took until the finale to finally figure out. I I was like, I know it is uh, actress <laughs> from something. I know her from something. And then and then a friend of mine was like, yeah, she was in Gallivant. And then my mm-hmm. head, you know, my brain completely clicks. And I'm like, oh, my God, how did I not <laughs> realize that? IMDb is your friend. Yeah. Okay. Hey, yeah, because you can really trust really, IMDb. Yeah, yeah. She, <laughs> she is a really good actress, though, and, and I think this season showed that in terms of being able to to just change her physicality completely and yeah. become another character. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's an awesome actress. I For a while, I thought she was, um, I forget the name of the other actress, but she was on the OC, and I thought it was her. I had that same reaction in Agent Carter season two, where I couldn't figure out what the ner- who the nurse girlfriend of... I can't remember his name. the The guy that was interested that oh, Peggy yeah. was interested in. Yep. Mm-hmm. And and he was dating a nurse. And I was like, "Who is this nurse?" And I had to look her up on IMDb and found out that oh, she's Sleeping Beauty from Once Upon a Time. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's where I know her from because she's so familiar. I couldn't figure it Laura. out. Laura. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, the this back half of the season in general has been nothing but fantastic. Mm-hmm. I mean, it brought a smile to my face to see trip again. The second that happened, I was like, I wish he was in more of the season. Mm-hmm. And plus we, we were talking about it ages ago when, when the first couple episodes were coming out, but a uh, good, good ward was really fun to explore. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a lot of fun, yep. especially when throughout the first few seasons he was you know especially when the twist came he he owned being evil and chewed up scenery in the best ways possible and then the second he all of a sudden we get the good heroic good guy that we thought he was in the beginning and it was just like that is awesome that is such a fun twist those were two those were some of the great nods yeah we'll get to the hydra arc but what do you think of ellen the lmd part pretty forgettable actually if we're talking, well, no. If we're talking, if we're talking, wait. Are we talking the season as a whole, or what are we talking? We're about? talking about the LMD section, the episodes that were called LMD. Um, so, so it's like for- the stuff after the after the Christmas break to before they go into the framework. Yeah, yeah. when um, uh, May was a uh, uh, yeah. LMD. Oh, no one okay, knew. sorry. Silent no. May took took oh. a. <laughs> 
Yeah, because the the podcast we did a, a few months back was all about just the Ghost Rider part. Yeah, that's why. No, that's why I was confused. I'm like, wait, what? Because there were three sections to this season. Uh, the, yep. You know, they, yeah, they did but break there's up only like two. four. There were like three or four episodes, technically, of just uh, the six, LMD stuff. Yeah, six. Was it six? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. The May stuff was the only interesting stuff. I mean, you had you had Radcliffe acting his heart out, but <laughs> probably mostly forgettable until you get to the Hydra stuff. But um, May was the only good part. I appreciate that they didn't go the obvious route. That's another one of those where I feel like they did a good job of setting something up and then not going the route that seemed obvious because I thought for sure it was going to turn into Maybot was going to be like a femme fatale and like, right. you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, a bed Coulson and everything and try to like, mm-hmm. you know, get, uh, you know, get, get her way that way. And I was pleasantly surprised that it was just nothing more than a kiss, which was awkward enough. You know, for mm-hmm. when May comes back, but you know, I mean, that was that was a, a refreshing thing that because I didn't want it to get too weird and too awkward because I don't need that sort of teeny drama <laughs> in Agents of Shield. <laughs> we got enough of that with Sky, and you know, the first Ugh. couple of seasons, we we don't need that. Uh- <laughs> Ming Ming Na channels too much of her Mulan days. She's not going to do that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I love that she's Mulan. Not her, not her Chun Li days. Oh yeah, she was Chun Li too, wasn't she? She was Chun Li twenty years ago, <laughs> twenty five years ago. I, I, I will say this though: the one thing that you know I kind of look askance at is this idea that you know we can create a robot that is a perfect replica of a human being in every way, but. The kiss. The kiss is just such a spiritual slash, you know, magical thing that, you know, no matter how good the robot is, it can't replicate the real experience. Mm-hmm. It's just a little bit of a, yeah, okay. Now, see, I was hoping it would be more like Coulson was like, May wouldn't do that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, because it's your subconscious programming to try and get a hold of the dark old, you know, would make her act in a way that doesn't, that doesn't, th- and he knows May so well that he would know that's out of character, not... Oh, you, you you know, the robot can't fake a kiss, which I thought was kind of a trope. One of my favorite things about the the entire back half of the of the season is that they went to the lengths to kind of explain the real part of the relationship that we never saw. And we get that really interesting flashback mm-hmm. to their their almost romance. I that thought was, that was that was so weird. She had bangs. <laughs> yeah, but I <laughs> But it, it worked. It worked. You know what I mean? Like it, it was working. Both actors portrayed it like really, really well. I like that's the part that was so weird. <laughs> she had bangs. I mean, the the whole thing was weird. But right. but yeah, that was. I, I, I when I was watching that, I was like, something is so wrong about this. I mean, <laughs> number one, she's smiling, and that's weird. Right. And you know, and and there's all this, but. And and if I'm remembering correct, and I think I am, in that particular episode, it was not clear when that was taking place, too. Yeah. And in, in, in the context of that specific episode. And I was like, this is just so weird. And then I went, oh, God, what's wrong with her hair? Oh, my God. That's not May. <laughs> There's something wrong with that. She's got bangs. If I remember right, I think it's about, because I, I think there was some sort of time 
ca- mm-hmm. like time caption box. I think it was about two years before she meets uh, the therapist. Um, in fact, at the at the end of that, she's uh, she mentions something about how she's going out for dinner with uh, with this psychologist, and he's not. Oh, okay. You know, yep. Yeah. So it's it's right before she meets Andrew. Right, and it's you know it's obviously because she's smiling and everything. It's before um, she before became Bahrain. the cavalry. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. <sighs> That one bothered me just because I didn't feel like they needed to set up a they almost had a romance moment. The fact that they've been working together so much, I think there's a term, I think it's called something like propinquity or something, which is the idea that if you put two people together, you know, over time, they're going to like develop like romantic feelings for each other just because they're always together. I can see that happening. They work closely together in life and death situations. You know, it, it could be nothing more than that of just a sort of attraction that develops because it didn't need to be this whole thing from, oh, decades ago, there was this moment where they almost, you know, had something. You know, I, 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 I to me, that was this, but, but to be fair, that wasn't the full blown, you know, thing that I was afraid they were going to go at with that. So it's better than most shows would do, but it still felt mm-hmm. to me that was the one episode where I felt like they went a little too far down a route they didn't need to. When when the highlight of the middle of your season is the reveal of one of your biggest um, minor characters of the show with the reveal of the Koenig family and just who they are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so good. I love that reveal. Yeah. The sister showing up. Yeah, well, I mean, that was funny, but I feel like... But they're I, not LMDs, you mean? Yeah, I didn't, yeah. I, I didn't need that. <laughs> I would have rather left them mysterious. mysterious. Yeah, I would have preferred to leave it mysterious, just what was up with them. Yeah. Although we did get to have get to have the uh, the uh, uh, conspiracy theory Koenig who who does stand up, which mm-hmm. was awesome. Yep. <laughs> I I liked the reveal about Mace that he's juicing using mm-hmm. the uh, oh, yeah, formula that, was... that Mr. Hyde was using. Yes, and that it was going to kill him eventually. Mm-hmm. And I thought for sure what was going to happen is that one episode where he tells them to run and he juices up. I was like, this is it. This is the end. He's going to save the... He's finally going to become the hero he wanted to be mm-hmm. by saving their lives and then dying in the process. Mm-hmm. But that then there was, was this whole... That was what I was afraid was going to happen to. Right. And then there's this whole thing where they go to liberate him from the Russian. And I'm like, wait, what? You The moment passed. What did you do? <laughs> you know? <laughs> So again, the show uh, wonderfully set up the obvious choice. You know, it seemed narratively that was where that was going. And they just said, nope, we're going to go somewhere else. And I I thought that was really well done. So, Jennifer, do you know know Mace's uh, actor's other secret identity when it comes to comic books? I do not. Yeah, he's uh, been the voice of Batman for a good couple years oh, now. Oh, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, okay. I, I remember <laughs> hearing that. Yeah, like the the voice of. No, I, I thought you meant that he'd done a live action thing, and I was like, oh, oh no, that would be cool too. <laughs> but I was no, I don't want to. Which is which is hilarious too, because that's exactly. I'm jumping ahead, but that's exactly what what he was in uh, in the uh, Agents of Hydra thing. Yep. Yeah, I mean, like, right yes, down. Yes, he was. Like, the you know the backlighting and the you know he's badass and he's got the scruffy beard going on. <laughs> he was kind of he was kind of doing his Batman voice too, which he was told, funny. Yeah. Jennifer's yeah. having a moment. <laughs> Not really. But oh, okay. <laughs> I just thought it was I thought it was just badass and fun. Mm. Uh, Ryan, what do you think of the whole LMD arc? Okay, so I think 
I think the showrunners went into the season, you know, they'd been moved to what the 10 o'clock mm-hmm. slot. I kind of think they thought this might be their last season. So mm-hmm. they decided to take some risks that really paid off in almost uh, every occasion. We've, we've talked before how when you do like a 22 episode season, the filler episodes can just drag the entire season down mm-hmm. and, and can ruin it. So this one, yeah, this was really three mini seasons just mm-hmm. strung back to back to back. And maybe the LMD one came across as weak or a bridge or whatever, but that's only because the back end one was just so damn good. Mm-hmm. If if we'd had if if the season had ended with the LMD one, then we we would still be going. Man, that was awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. when, whenever you can you can play with the expectations the way this season did and the way that the LMD arc did, then then you're winning. With the, with the way they can where you're not sure from week to week is Ada good or bad? Do I like where? Radcliffe now, or do I hate him? I mean, he still wants to protect them, but he wants the Darkhold. You know? mm-hmm. And then the the last, what was it? The last episode or two, when uh, Fitz and Simmons, or really technically just Simmons, thought they were the only ones that were left. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. been done before. It's been done before. So many shows have done something like that. But they managed to make it they kept me on the edge of my seat. They, they made it new and fresh. Yeah, well, I mean, the whole idea of, again, they, they tried to set it up that Sky, Mace, Colson, uh, and Mac were replaced when, in fact, Sky was not and Fitz was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, spoilers that, for anyone who hasn't seen this season. <laughs> that, that scene where, where Sky walks into the room and there's like a hundred other Skies there. Yes. <laughs> the know, Daisy that's when they clip. The Daisy <laughs> I don't know. Maybe if her name's Sky, maybe those would be clouds. It reminded me of the episode of Star Trek with um, the women that would be like, I am for you, Kirk. And if they touched you, they would kill you. Because the whole idea was they were going to send all these skies out to all the different Inhumans. Right. You know, yeah. and they, each one was going to, you know, designed to kill one of the Inhumans. And so, you know, I. <laughs> I got from thinking of that Star Trek episode. You know, I am for you, yo-yo, you know? <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. I, I would say for, again, I agree with you, the Koenig reveal should have been more mysterious. It wasn't important enough that it needed a whole episode dedicated to it. Mm-hmm. So it should have just been kind of this background thing that goes on from season to season. But if I had to pick kind of one flaw in the LMD arc, it would be how they built up the watchdogs and then just dropped it. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I think the watchdogs may still appear in season five. Well, mm-hmm. maybe. I mean, what's his name? I can't think of the agent's name now, but uh, that or the actor, his name blanks on me. But who who we found out is actually running the watchdogs? That's too big a reveal not to do anything with that. Well, the other thing though is that they uh, left us with the uh, senator's brother, who mm-hmm. is still alive, even though he no, was he, shot he, and pushed he, off the. No, he, he 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 went back into a cocoon after he hit the water. They showed it. Yep. So he's. Oh, well, that, oh, yeah. So 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 I think they're going the route of there's a character in comics named Mutagen who every time he's damaged, his body like changes to adapt to becoming immune to whatever that damage was, and I think they're going to go that route with this guy. So he's going to be Luke Cage now. Yeah, so he's going to be super <laughs> tough, he can't be shot. Right, exactly, and yeah. then if they kill him another way, he'll come back, you know, being immune to that. Oh, that's so. interesting. Or, yeah, you know, Doomsday. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Wrong franchise. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so I mean, there's still there's still inhuman stuff for them to mind. The, the, I'm, I'm jumping ahead of myself a little bit here, but I think the reason the season ended the way it was is that they just need to avoid being on Earth during the actual Inhuman series. And then mm-hmm. next season, they'll bring them back to Earth at some point. But I think it's just to explain, hey, why doesn't Coulson and them show up during the Inhuman series? 
but yeah, so Ryan, um, but, but yeah, beyond the, the watchdogs thing, anything else you want to talk about with the LMD arc? Uh, just that again, this season played with emotion so much mm. and uh, between Ada and Radcliffe, I, I wasn't sure from week to week whether I loved them or I hated them. And, and I kind of hated that and loved it at the same time. <laughs> well, that's why they gave us the Russian as someone that we were sure we could hate. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> he, he was so lame. Yes. And that was my real uh, problem. Because I was like, we finally get to see the person who's been orchestrating the watchdogs from behind the scenes. And it's just some angry Russian. Like, nothing Superior. special about his backstory. Nothing yep. really interesting about him. I thought for sure it was going to be because they built it up for so long that we don't know who who's behind the watchdogs it was going to be someone we knew it was going to be something like talbot is actually like secretly mm-hmm. like orchestrating all this stuff or something but um yeah it was just oh in fact it was so low-key that i didn't realize at first that he was the lead i thought he was just the leader yep. of like a local group and then it was suddenly like oh no he's supposed to be the leader of all of them like worldwide oh okay yeah <laughs> Yeah, I guess. I want to. I want to rant about Talbot because okay. he had that big idiot moment towards the end of the season. Yeah. She's like, "We're taking you in," and it's like, "Dummy, use your brain." <laughs> what would the talking, LMD? Are you talking <sighs> about at the very at the very end? Yeah. Yep. So so there's there's actually a, a a very funny thing that you can look up online that was behind the scenes thing that um. Oh, I'm blanking on her name. Actress that plays uh, uh, Daisy. Um, oh, um, Chloe Bennett. Yeah, yeah Chloe, Chloe Bennett was uh, what was taping during during uh, rehearsals uh, for it, or or um, and she could not keep a straight face. Like he would be like, "You shut your damn robot mouth!" Oh. She like, <laughs> <laughs> just loses. And and it's yeah. funny when you go back and and watch that scene because you can you can you can almost see her and and Clark Gregg trying not to crack up when when he says that. So so well, yeah. Well, but here's the thing. Talbot, I mean, is based on the comic character who is the epitome of the closed-minded military jerkwad. I mean, that, he's that, not that supposed to be scary. He's, right. he's he's a caricature. Yeah, yeah. And and Talbot has always been that way from the earliest days of the Incredible Hulk, where he appeared. You know, he has always been this this you know closed-minded military jerk. Now they've they've broadened him out a bit in Legends of Shield. He isn't as bad, but he's always been stupid. He's always been supposing that Coulson and them are up to something and are you know no good and everything else. And I was actually surprised by how much he backed away from that this season for the most part. I mean, he's stupid and maybe two-dimensional, but he's also been more or less honest in his character arc. Mm-hmm. The most deceptive he got was when his uh, ki- daughter, I think, was kidnapped. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but that's why, I mean, you, you said you, you were thinking maybe someone like Talbot, but maybe I wasn't making myself clear earlier, but um, when Agent Blake was revealed to be that's, eating yep. the, the watchdog, that's what they needed to run with. They needed to do more with that. And I feel that's the loose end that they, that they really dropped. Ty- I've looked it up. Titus Welliver, the actor. Yes. I mean, Mm-hmm. When you've got someone like him, you use him. Mm-hmm. And and his motivations for hating the inhumans were spot on. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And that that's that's exactly where, where I was hoping it was going. And and we talked about it at the time about the fact that Titus Welliver has his own series right now, Bosch, that is doing very, very well. And so it, there was no way that he was going to come back for an extended period of time. But I was really hoping we would get him to come back for an episode because uh, having Blake, because because they had brought him back 
at at a certain point and showed that he was he was paralyzed and he you know had this vr technology which would have you know tied in really well with other stuff going on at the time Mm -hmm. so so he would have been a perfect fit but you know it's entirely possible that you know maybe they couldn't get him and so they they rode around it to do something else but then they make it obvious, even from that episode, which has been a while since I've seen it, that he was working for someone else even higher up than him. It seemed like he was, but but there's, you know, but there's always a way around that. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. I mean, it's Hydra, you know, <laughs> you right. chop off one head and suddenly get Agent Blake. You know? <laughs> but yeah, and when dealing with the LMDs, I mean, I wouldn't want them to recast him, but they could. They could always recast him mm-hmm. uh, as someone else. What do you guys think about uh, the one guy uh, that was a member of the Watchdogs becoming an Inhuman? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, uh, that, was, that was cool. Uh, I like that actor. I've seen him in other stuff, so you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. He was uh, he was Nuke, wasn't he? Yeah. Well, they never said, but yeah, they didn't the same power say, set. but yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yep. yeah so, that was that was very cool. Was, um, so I'm I'm so really surprised Nate did. didn't bring up the other cast member thing. Hmm? We got a, we got a multiverse breach. What? Not, not really, but it's a, it's a joke because, okay, so for our audience at home, obviously we get it, right. but you know, well, Nate, no, no, I was going to say Nate knows this one, or at least I hope he does. The female shield agent that kept appearing through the through the back half of the season, Piper. Okay. Yep, she's also on Supergirl. Oh, I didn't realize that. She's oh, in she the ice. Yeah. Huh. Huh. Yeah, I never noticed. <laughs> yeah, she's actually like a huge part of the. Um, the the episode where they were trying to figure out who was the alien when uh when they were trapped inside of the DOE DEO DEO yes <laughs> bless you Department of Education so she gets to wear the same uniform for both shows I just noticed Pretty when much, um, yeah. when uh, Gia from Timeless showed up on Supergirl that got my attention but <laughs> I didn't notice that because I mean as a Shield agent she was such a background character until that episode right after you know the frame when Yo Yo was on the plane with them. Uh, it was the only real place where she really came mm-hmm. to the forefront. I, I, I'm glad they have characters like that, these kind of half-fleshed out, because it does show that S.H.I.E.L.D. is this organization of of many, many agents. So great, have them. But I, I think they found the perfect balance of having these reoccurring background characters without taking away from the main characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My my one problem, though, and, and, and this is the problem with S.H.I.E.L.D. being decimated yet again at the end of the season, which I guess I'm skipping ahead now a little bit, too, <laughs> is that if they come back next season and suddenly they're able to once again become like a thriving organization and it's, oh, there's all these other hidden members that, you know, nobody knew about. Like, we can reactivate all of them. And it's just like, okay, seriously. It's why when they said they were bringing back Hydra, I was like... Oh, God, not again, because you've got the mm-hmm. movie saying Hydra's gone. S.H.I.E.L.D. has said three different times, we've finally defeated Hydra for the last time, really, for realsies now. You know, <laughs> and it's like, how, it, you can't keep saying it and then have any, you know, dr- drama at all to Hydra being there, because you just keep killing them off every half yeah. season. See, so- you, you, say, you say that, and yet look at Supernatural. <laughs> 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 you know? You know, wow. people, people... Will, yeah, supernatural, though, they, they jumped back. the shark and never landed, right? We have glossed over one thing a little bit, though, in the LMD arc. I think I briefly mentioned it, though. It's... What did you guys think with the Mace reveal? I, I thought that it was it was a cool way of 
of doing something different. I mean, because mm-hmm. we we all assumed that you know, uh, and, and and in fact, actually, I take that back. In the very first part of the season, I did assume that he had uh, taken Super Soldier Serum, and that was something that we speculated about. Mm-hmm. Was was he really Jeffrey Mace from the forties? Mm-hmm. You know that uh, that had taken Super Soldier Serum, and it hadn't given him Captain America type powers, but maybe it stopped his aging and made him really strong or something like that. Mm-hmm. So that's something that, that John and I had had talked about initially. But then they're like, "Oh, well, he's an Inhuman." Well, okay, I, if he says he's an Inhuman, I guess he is. And so that was that was a neat twist, and and it made it so they had uh, you know something, and and it gave. It gave some depth to his character, and I think that that's skipping ahead. You know, in in the whole last uh, last uh, episode with him in the inside the framework, when he's like, "Do you even know where I'm from? Do you, like, do you know what I eat for lunch?" Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that that he here was this this cool character, and massive massive props to the writers to to bring in a character and put them in charge of Shield and be taking over Coulson's place. You know, that was that it would have been very, very, very easy to hate that character. And they managed to do it. So I was like, this guy is so cool. Oh, my God. (laughs) This is so awesome. I'm actually super happy that Coulson isn't the director and that he's, you know, able to to go and and do his own thing and uh, and not have to be the guy in charge. So I I thought that they, they set that up really well. And so then having that as a twist, I thought that was fine. And that gave him some depth and some, you know, his his whole thing of you know figuring out what his place on the team was i thought was was pretty pretty well done team that trusts is a team that triumphs <laughs> yep <laughs> as long as you have the right color lanyard <laughs> <laughs> is there uh is there anything uh, you wanted to say about lmd that we haven't talked about yet jen um we we touched on it a little bit but um i gotta talk about the the finale of that mini season mm. that was in my opinion the best written directed acted episode of this show in the history of the show it was out freaking standing it from from a directing standpoint one of the things that i got i get real cranky about is when fight scenes are filmed poorly Mm -hmm. and i've gotten even more critical of that since iron fist for obvious reasons (laughs) (laughs) i'm just like acutely aware of it it's like, oh, everyone's wearing black inside a black room and there's barely any lighting and you're just hearing a lot of, ooh, ooh. you know, the, that was an episode that was written and directed by Jed Wheaton, who is, of course, one of the showrunners. The only things that Jed had directed prior to that were a behind the scenes thing for Dr. Horrible and Do You Want to Date My Avatar? for the guild those were the only things he had directed and that episode was it was art it was so beautifully shot and the performances were so freaking good and that was the episode where we had that scene between fitz and simmons which again uh you guys mentioned it but you know we've we've all seen the you know invasion of the body snatchers variant of you know is this a are you a clone or are you not a clone mm-hmm. are you a good guy or are you a bad guy but ian decastiker oh my freaking god he is if if this show did not also have mallory jensen playing ada and and um, uh brett playing playing ward i would be like he is by far the best actor on this show no one can begin to touch him because he is able to play things 
that are so subtle but so powerful and his ability in that scene to turn turn the tears off and on like a freaking light switch oh my <laughs> god where he's going Simmons don't do this to me and then he just goes dead for a yes. second and then he does it again and it's like oh god this is terrible oh my feels yeah <laughs> Although, because of the fact that Simmons was the one that clued in in the previous episode to the fact that there were LMDs in the station, I knew <laughs> which of the two. Once they ascertained that it was one of them who was the LMD, I, mm -hmm. I knew what was up before the reveal. So it did undercut what they were trying to do in that scene a little bit, but it was still phenomenally acted. Yeah. And it made me question myself just a little bit. I was like, could it be? <laughs> but I was like, no, that doesn't make any sense. It has to be Fitz. You know? <laughs> Another thing they did really well in that last episode was, and again, playing with expectations uh, the entire season, is they, they took Maybot mm -hmm. and we kept expecting her, oh, because of love or whatever, to mm -hmm. break her program and not steal the, the Darkhold. But she mm -hmm. did. Mm -hmm. But then they took it another step and said, you know what? She completed that mission, so now she can be the hero mm -hmm. that she mm -hmm. wanted to be and literally go out in a blaze of glory. Yeah, you're not Coulson. Yeah, that yeah I, I liked that whole bit because, like, to her, because now she is acting like the real May and she knows that, you know, he isn't the real Coulson. So it's it's funny because she's also a robot, but, like, to her, it's like, you're not good enough. You know, you're not yep. him. <laughs> and he wasn't. <laughs> right. Well, it's funny because even though the Fitzbot was doing such a good job, it was really obvious with the Mac and Coulson and... Mm -hmm. uh, you know, all of a sudden when they come in in that next episode, it's like they're acting in very wooden sort of robotic ways that it's just kind of like, guys, you're overplaying it. You're supposed to be like, see, you know, Maybot was seamless. Fitz was seamless. You shouldn't be playing it like, you know, you're just a little bit arch. Although it was interesting because in, in that, that same scene, because that was when we thought that, that Daisy was, was a robot too, mm -hmm. you know, uh, like, like the thing where, where Max, like, we need to, uh, we need to contact all these people and, you know, you'll need to go out and, and make contact yourself. And she's like, right, got it. I'm on it. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah. you know, the first time I went back and rewatched that, I was like, wait, that she wasn't a robot there. That was really Daisy not cluing into what was going on. Mm -hmm. A lot of it is us projecting what we already knew as the audience onto it. It could be, but they, they did seem to be acting differently than they normally do. But that was just them. That I mean, but that was, again, that was the showrunners, though, knowing that to sell fits they had to make the other ones obvious. Yeah. You know, so I, I, think, I think that was deliberate to, to give us, you know, uh, something that we were like, well... You know, we're trying to look for those subtleties and fits, and, and he's not playing that. Um, so it made it more difficult to tell, which was just brilliant, which this whole season was done really well, uh, this whole segment. But that brings us to Agents of Hydra. So, uh, Jen, I'm going to let you talk about Agents of Hydra first. Why don't, why don't you tell us what you really liked, and, or if there was anything you didn't like about Agents of Hydra. What what I liked the most was uh, getting to to see all of these actors that we have we have known for years, mm. getting to see at least most of them 
playing their character in a different way. Mm-hmm. You know, um, getting to see, you know, if if something had had changed in their life, who would they have been? And so, so getting to see the actor play the character in a different way, I thought was was really interesting. Mac was basically the same. Mm-hmm. Um, with 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 all of them, pretty much, you could you could figure out how different they would be by how far back do we have to go mm-hmm. to to for the change so like max was like what six years right may's was you know it was it was a ways back but uh she was you know sh- she wasn't that different she was just working for a different different organization mm-hmm. colson's life was obviously very different because that goes all the way back to when uh you know right after he got out of college was mm-hmm. when he decided to not join shield and then fitz Fitz was his entire life, basically, mm-hmm. and that is why he was so different. And you know, I am I am like the president of the Ian DeCastro fan club here, basically. <laughs> but you know, I think that he is such an outstanding actor, and getting him, getting to see him play like the anti-Fitz, I thought was just amazing. Everything that he did with that part, and um, I, I just thought that was tremendous fun. Also, props to Mallory Jansen, who plays Ada, uh, who also played Radcliffe's girlfriend, who also plays Madame Hydra, and then <laughs> plays Ophelia, I guess we're going to call her, right. at the end, because she did such an amazing job of, of playing all the different versions of that character. And if you, if you go back and watch it, the, the whole physicality of the character is different, which is just, just brilliant. And then, of course, there's there's all the awesome cameos that we got to have, not least of which uh, was, of course, getting Ward back. And uh, I love Brett Dalton to death, and I thought this was a really fun way of keeping it true to Ward, who is always going to be the, the traitor. But in this case, he was the traitor for the good guy's side. Mm-hmm. And did you notice Did you notice how they explained it? That, that he had been recruited by Victoria Hand? Mm-hmm. Because I kept thinking, it was like, okay, so they wanted him to flop. You know, so in the Agents of Hydra mm-hmm. world, he's he's the good guy. But I'm like, but how would, you know, because I'm thinking his life was mostly the same, except that Hydra came to power. I'm like, but why mm-hmm. would he be a good guy? And then it's like, oh, so whatever, for, for whatever reason, because Coulson wasn't recruited, it must have changed a whole sequence of things that happened in S.H.I.E.L.D. to where Hand was the one who recruited him instead of, uh, I can't remember, Garrett. Agent Garrett. Yes. Yeah, what wasn't what the I one. had... Yeah. What I had really hoped they were going to do, and this is, this 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 got me on a kick of of I need to stop trying to predict what's going to happen on my favorite shows mm-hmm. because I end up coming up with things that I like better than what the showrunners do. <laughs> right. But I, I was thinking it would have been perfect if he had been recruited by Mace, mm. and then that would have explained it because oh okay because Mace took a different path then he recruited Ward and Ward took a different path. Mm. Um, but but you know Victoria Hand sure that works too. <laughs> There's a certain irony in him being recruited by the person he killed in real life. Yes, yes, definitely. I wonder if Bill Paxton was still alive if we would have seen him. He hadn't passed away by the time they, they when they uh, filmed the episode. Well, I mean, throughout the season. I was disappointed that Hunter and Bobby didn't show up in that world I know, either. Right? I, I wanted them to at least have a cameo or something. I realize she's working on that new show on Fox, but I mm. was hoping that she would at least yeah. have an opening and certainly hunter i don't think he's doing anything uh right now so <laughs> it'd be nice to have him on 
But to me, the thing that I really wanted, which would have been such a fanboy thing, and I get why it had nothing to do with the story they were telling, other than the fact that it was notable by its absence, is I wanted at least a a, a one-minute info dump on the alternate history of the Avengers in this world. Because that would have been fun. Yeah, because I figure, yeah. all right, it's 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 easy to explain uh, the the lack of presence of Steve Rogers because without Coulson, maybe he would have never been recovered. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that's easy. But there still would have been Tony Stark. There still would have been Banner. Thor would have come to Earth. And I would have just kind of liked, like, the alternate sequence of events of what happened to each of those characters. I think you and I talked about this online, but I'm pretty sure they all got blown up by Project Insight. It's possible, but it would have been nice if they had just explained that or or said it somewhere. Yeah, Loki probably would have been in in control if that was the case. There's no way around that. Well, after after the first Avengers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Project Insight was was uh, Winter, Winter Soldier. Soldier. Yeah. That was when they had they had the orbital mind lasers that were gonna basically blow up everybody, and they had a list including Stephen Strange and and a bunch of other people. Well, the whole timeline was unclear because they made it sound like the Cambridge incident happened years ago. Um, whereas I was hoping it was more of the idea of without Captain America, Project Insight would have succeeded, and that's how mm-hmm. you know, Hydra came to power. And so to make it that Coulson was the central issue, the lack of Coulson, the lack of the heart mm-hmm. of S.H.I.E.L.D. led to no Captain America, led to HYDRA taking over, and I would have liked that as the through line, instead of tying, trying to tie it in with the Inhumans and uh, you know, uh, it may save the girl but then the girl later did another thing that was really bad, and that was the Cambridge incident, and that's how HYDRA came to power. It, just, it would have been a more it would have been more fitting from an MCU standpoint, but not an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. standpoint because they're not allowed to use any of those characters, so so I, I, right, uh, it's 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 sticky. You know, it's right. it it's not that they can't. It's that it's paperwork. I think if if they if they want to. Right, but yeah, in my fanboyish heart, that would have been the better. You know, Winter Soldier was completely screwed up because Coulson didn't exist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, or they were didn't exist in that job. Um, but uh, yeah. So anyway, I'm sorry I interrupted you there. I thought it was in, it was very very good. I enjoyed it a lot until the last episode and i thought the last episode was a crashing disappointment Mm. and i it's it's hard for me to put my finger on on what i think they should have done differently but it just didn't have the same feel and it's and it's and i'm not just saying that because it had a different feel than when they were in in the framework uh it should but it just it was a weak episode i i thought that um the idea that that Ada or Ophelia wouldn't be able to tell that um, that Gemma was a, 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 an LMD and would like be hanging onto her and like threatening her and blah blah blah. It's like what? I mean, she made those things. <laughs> how, how could she not realize it? There, there were just I, I just had a million complaints about the last episode. You, you just wanted Simmons to die. <laughs> I did want. Simmons to die. <laughs> I, I knew, I was thinking in the back of my head when I saw that, oh, Jen's going to be disappointed that it wasn't really her. No, as, as soon as that was happening, I'm like, this is, this is not, this this is not going down. Because, because Fitz wasn't freaking out enough. I was mm. like, that can't be real. Mm. You know, props to Ian DeCastaker, because again, you watch that guy's acting, you can tell what's going on. <laughs> Though, can, can I point out how weird it is that the, uh, that uh, the writer is so cool with being passed around as much as he is. Mm. The what? Oh, oh my God! Yes, yes. That that was, that was... <laughs> that's something I've never seen in the comics. That's why I found it so weird. Right. I mean, because like, it went to Mac earlier, and 
Yeah. <laughs> I assume that that is going to come back to bite them in the ass later on because yeah, when he got into Mac previously, he was like, "Oh no, I'm staying. You're 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 <laughs> you're done, dude. I'm I'm not going to leave this guy cuz I'm very happy here." And then, you know, Robbie had to to make the deal and all that to to get him to come back. I want an explanation at some point of how Colson made that happen because that ooh, ooh. It ties into the it ties into the new the- fan theory. Trust me. Okay. There was dialogue at the end of the thing where he said, yes, there was. "You know the why the writer made that deal, right?" And Coulson said, "Yeah." And Robbie said, "Are you going to tell the rest of your team?" And he said, "No." And he says, "No." no. <laughs> so I'm sure it'll come up. Right. But what is this fan theory, Eric? Okay. So it might have been kind of a crappy event in general, but do you know about original sin? I do not. Something about killing a watcher. The concept. Yeah, well, no, I mean the actual event and what it revealed. You're talking about an event in the comics. Yeah, I'm talking uh, to Nate and Ryan on this one. Yeah, it was had something to do with killing a watcher or something, but I, I never. Well, read no, it. no. Um, so the bigger reveal, other than you know the the main watcher who we all know and love in the Marvel universe getting killed and his eyes getting stolen, but that's a whole another issue. Is so it's revealed that Nick Fury wasn't just you know the big head honcho. Of S.H.I.E.L.D., but he was something called the Watcher on the Wall. And basically who that is, is that is a person, uh, and eventually Bucky takes that takes that place, and that's a whole other can of worms. But basically, what the Watcher on the Wall does is that person is the Watcher of everything threatening to the Earth, and basically protects, protects the Earth from any and all, whether it be on the Earth, whether it be in the multiverse, whether it be alien invasion, any kind of excursion, they prevent and prevent and fight any and all of those things. So the current fan theory is many are theorizing that if it's not, you know, if it's if it's not a certain um, organization like I'm hoping, I'm still holding out hope, Nate. I don't care what that guy on the show said because the second tweet right after that was specifically going, "We none of us know what's happening with next season yet." Right, so but he's directly. Sword? Yeah, he yeah. thinks it's sword, but yeah, I just, want, yeah. I just want Abigail Brand. There are in her there, green, there awesome are rights hair. issues with sword. So <laughs> I know, right. I know. Yeah, finish your but, thought. But so the watcher on the wall is the other fear, fa- possible fan theory that is being thrown around, and whether or not that means the fury of the Marvel Cinematic Universe was actually the watcher on the wall is yet to be seen as well, which I think would be interesting and so, be a so fun are you, way are to. So you're pre- saying that Coulson is the watcher then? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Which, well, no, not the watcher. The wa- it's a completely different like. Yeah, that's Stanley. Com- <laughs> yeah, it is Stanley. Yeah. Minus mine spoiler alert, which opens another can of worms. But uh, the Watcher on the Wall is basically so it's basically um, a proactive version of uh, the the Night Watch, pretty much. So so how does from that, Game of Thrones? Right. So how does that change anything with Coulson and the Rider? Well, that's I, I, but it adds into the thing with Coulson it? because he's basically stuck as this, you know, like. He he can't have a normal life because he's going to be, and that's why he's so cool with going into space in the first place. As we see at the end of the, in those last couple minutes, he kind of, you know, you can tell he knows what's coming. And his conversation with Robbie is he's kind of going to be damned in his own way with having to just be, you know, this, this not watcher, but, you know, like this 
this guy who's basically stuck with this job with the rest of his life. Yeah, I don't know. It seems like a really deep cut that for people who aren't familiar with the comics, uh, it's, it's a lot to bring up in a show. Yeah, but it'll, it could be a hybrid of sort, like we've seen with everything else. Right, I mean, right. And, and, and even though they probably can't use the term sword, it's certainly possible they may create some other name for it and basically do the same kind of an organization of hey the earth's been attacked by extraterrestrials multiple times now you know we think that it's a good idea to have you know some people watching up here to you know uh, do something about alien threats. can i throw out uh, another deep cut from the comics then how about okay. uh so so the russian i thought was was pretty terrible and a huge letdown through through the entire lmd mm-hmm. arc when we finally got got back around to him in uh after they got out of the uh, of the framework he was a lot cooler and yeah. i'm i'm assuming you guys probably caught this or saw online the fact that he says to uh ada i was designed only for killing mm-hmm. and nice. so now there's a, right so now there's a theory that he's modok <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, because his his brain was never located and destroyed. Right, right. only bodies that he was using yep. were destroyed. So he could he could always show up as a big flying head with little, <laughs> little arms and legs. That was um that was one of the original <laughs> internet theories for who Dinklage would be playing. Mm-hmm. And when I first read that, I'm like, that's just me and internet. Come on, come on, behave. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so, no, I can definitely see that. I mean, again, that's another iron they have in the fire for next season. Mm-hmm. Like, I said, you know, like I said before, the Watchdogs are still out there. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to get you off, but what's the um, Marvel equivalent to OMAC? In other words, the Marvel, is is that just Deathlock, or is there another one? I, I don't know enough about OMAC to be able to tell you. Ryan, do you know? I'm thinking Deathlock. Is it Deathlock? Death. Okay, well, I know there's a specific slash similar idea to OMAC, but I couldn't remember... If it was, uh... that's another thing that has just fallen by the wayside, and I don't know why. I know it is not J. August Richards mm-hmm. who is not is the reason that he's not appearing. Because when I saw him at C two E two last year, he was like, "No, I'd love to be on Agents of Shield some more." So they probably didn't have I would love budget. for the, I would love for them yeah. to bring in Deathlock again because that is a big loose mm-hmm. thread there. Well, that, that, yeah, Eric's got a point. They could probably do a Flaming Skull or a Cyborg, but not both. Probably, yeah. Except a cyborg is easy. You don't need any CG. You just put him in like an armored suit. Uh, you know, it's no more CG, expensive than Mace. But, but yeah. Can we? Um, uh, yeah. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I was going to ask if we're going to go into uh, hopes for next season because I got a pretty, uh, pretty outlandish well, well, one. Yeah, not quite. Yeah, because I don't think we've talked enough about Agents of Hydra. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, Jen, you were talking about the last episode. Was was that all, all that you wanted to say? Was there anything? Yeah, more? I thought it was a letdown. Um, you know, I overall, I thought, I thought this. Um, oh, oh yeah, I know one other thing I wanted to say. So again, I gotta stop like like predicting in my head what's going to happen because as mm. soon as it became clear that that the thing that had changed in Fitz's life was was that his uh, he had a relationship with his father, which oh, I, I know kind going. <laughs> yeah um so i i had uh i had gotten it in my head i was like oh you know who would be great to play his father oh, peter capaldi <laughs> and peter capaldi would have been phenomenal oh my god i think he's busy working on other things 
<laughs> I think he was actually done by the time they filmed it, but um, okay. but he would have been amazing. And you know, the guy, the 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 fellow that they got, you know, he was he was fine. But the entire time I was seeing him, I was like, oh, this would have been so much better if it was Peter Capaldi. I don't know. I, I think that he conveyed the actor that they got. They conveyed like the sort of pompous businessman. Oh, yeah, he did fine. Or, and or politician, you know, very well. Mm-hmm. You know, slightly yeah. overweight. Everything. I mean, it was all it was all that sort of tropish thing of this is the guy who's lived large on power, mm-hmm. but, you know, and his whole way of talking and demeanor and everything. Yeah. So I, I I thought that that worked well. It's superficial. I I kind of see where you're going with that, Nathan. Capaldi would have been too bombastic for the role the guy that they got came across as well but let me rephrase that then the guy that they got came across as perfunctory you know he's willing to bully his young son but Mm -hmm. anyone beyond Mm -hmm. that he's a coward right when it comes Mm -hmm. down to it you know i I, called yeah i I don't know he would i I think he would just he would have overplayed it well and that's the thing i mean he he didn't need to be big and he didn't need to be important he the 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 character it was just important for the fact that this is the person that raised fits so you can see why he is someone who cares about putting on airs and you see why he's so driven and everything else you know and so i thought that that was capaldi doesn't doesn't, isn't the kind of guy who has to choose scenery he can if it's there (laughs) i mean if 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 that if that's right for the role but if you think of him like in children of earth or in, oh, yeah. in so many of the other things that he has done i mean he was he was <laughs> not giant scenery chewing evil in in that at all so anyway it would have been cool oh well oh well okay. maybe we'll get him for something else they've done doctors before so that's you true. know a bigger role well, yeah, that might also have been the thing. They didn't have it in the budget for Peter Capaldi. <laughs> the guy that they got was probably a lot cheaper. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so, Ryan, what did you think of Agents of Hydra? Uh, yeah, definitely the best of the three arcs. Mm. I actually kind of think they stair-stepped in, in regards to quality. Uh, it was, uh, it, if anyone grew up reading the What If comics, this was just basically yes. a giant What If comic, and it was great. And... I'm going to echo a lot of uh, what Jen said and, and Jennifer said and others that half the fun was guessing where the timelines diverged, guessing what happened to these other characters. And, and my own theory on it was basically that since May had been in the framework the longest, it was built around her regret more than any of the others, which is why we got you know the Cambridge incident and why we got mm-hmm. Hydra. And then it, the Ada just had to work everyone else in into that in some capacity. I, we- After she dumped the other people in, Ratcliffe said that the framework kept rebooting. Mm-hmm. And he said that, you know, why, why did that happen? That everything kept changing. And she said, because I had to take everyone back to the moment when things would diverge for them. And that's why it kept changing. Because then I had to basically update everything from there right. forward. And so, so basically, it's from Fitz's life, which is the furthest one back, it had to go all the way back there and then but flip only, forward. Only but only insofar as affected Fitz. That is to say, the original framework was May's regret. So when mm-hmm. it rebooted the first time, it would reboot from May's regret and then change, say, the addition of Mace. But mm-hmm. the, the, the foundation would still be May's regret. And so maybe in May's original regret, she and Coulson did have a relationship as agents of Hydra. But now Coulson is plugged in. And so it's still May's regret, but then add Coulson's, which removes that relationship. But the mm-hmm. foundation is still May. Mm-hmm. Do you see what I'm saying? I gotcha. 
Well, yeah, except that then I don't think Ratcliffe would have noticed if the basic framework of the framework was the same. It sounded like the world kept radically changing around him as he was in there, and that's why he got out to talk to Ada, was because he was like, things keep shifting and it could drive me insane because I was already in there and conscious. You know, he's like, don't do that. But but he helped build it, so so I think that, you know, somebody somebody who was aware of it would would notice or at least that that was that was how my my brain explained it at the time anyway mm. yeah i i did like the little homage they had to bill paxton about you know agent garrett dies a hero or something as strange <laughs> as that may sound mm. and trip seeing trip was great again uh, i kind mm. of would have liked them to work in maria hill somehow mm-hmm. i thought that would have been great and I hated the way that they left. I, I, sus- I suspect maybe it ended up on the cutting room floor or cut out of the script because of time. But I hated how they left Ward. Well, I thought for sure it was because Ward was going to find Ada's 3D printer. Yes. And print himself a body in the real world, too, so that they could have Ward in season five is Ward from the framework gets out. I, I was again, I was they, hoping they, for yeah. yeah I was hoping for for either either Ward or Mace or Framework Fitz would would have been an interesting uh, option to to get the 3D printer. Oh, I'm, I'm surprised you didn't select Ratcliffe because Ratcliffe would have been was a the cool other option yeah. in my mind. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. See, that's cool just too. it. Again, that's how this show played with expectations all season long. We were all expecting, yeah, it's going to be Ward, yeah, it's going to be such and such, and it didn't. Ha- happen um mm-hmm. so kudos to them for doing that for setting these up and then tearing our hearts out again you know um <laughs> and kind of to that end uh, ada as i think they had ada portraying you know, this omnipotent being with a child's emotions perfectly mm-hmm. or ophelia i guess she was actually at that point mm-hmm. ophelia and you know the actress yes she portrayed it by far and away perfectly which is why i didn't have a problem with her being fooled by I guess so. Ellen yeah. D. Simmons. I just wanted Simmons. You know, yeah, she's. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I have yeah. I have disliked that character since the very first episode, and I was like, "Oh my god, okay, she's she's a scientist. She's clearly very intelligent, but she's a dumb bag of hair, and she just needs to go." Well, I I want Fitz to go down the Wesley Wyndham Price. Route. I do too. Oh and to do that, you need to kill Simmons yes. to make Fitz. Badass, yes! oh which is God. what I want to happen. Well, te- technically, yeah, she just next becomes refrigerated. I was gonna say, technically, yeah, yeah, next yeah. season, even though it wasn't one of our predictions, but technically, next season, he could very easily take like some of Dark Fitz's like mm-hmm. past and memories and incorporate that into main awesome Fitz and kind of like turn himself into into a uh, badass. I think yeah. that could very easily uh, happen, but. I think- well, so he's, it depends he's on how much damaged. they feel like they need to retool the show. Yeah, but <laughs> he's, he's pretty he's, damaged right now. He's very broken right, right now. Yeah. Poor Fitz and, Of course, in fairness, well, the thing about it, a couple things about that, though, is one, credit to the show for not just rebooting, you know, like everyone else does after they do the alternate reality, where mm-hmm. nothing, it didn't matter. They get credit for acknowledging that you did bad things there. Yes. But on the other hand, and they kind of reboot Fitz every freaking season. You know, I mean, yeah. season one, he's regular Fitz. Season two, oh, he's struggling to recover. He's got a stutter, he's whatever. Traumatic you know, brain injury. So, yeah. yeah, exactly. So every season, it's like, he. and again, credit to the actor, they have to do a different Fitz. So yeah, we'll see what we get with next season's Fitz. Um, I think Radcliffe going out with a, you know, not with a bang, but with a blank. Like, I laughed, I, I inappropriately that- laughed. 
after that moment. You that know? was perfect. But, Actually, my problem with Fitz, though, is is less that Fitz's reaction to it, which I thought was played very well and very right, but that everyone is okay with it. You know, oh, it's yeah. like, oh, that's just something you did in the framework that I'm like, because I thought for sure it was going to cause problems for Simmons once he got out. That knowing that he's capable of being that man, exactly. even though he's not that man right now, because I mean, that's a there's some lines that you don't cross that he crossed mm-hmm. in that framework, oh, yeah. and it's like, yeah, okay, it was like a video game, and those people weren't real, but you know, he didn't know that when he was doing those things. So to me, that's like it's the same problem I have with the Flash this season. Oh, that everyone's God. cool with the idea of Barry being Savitar and killing Iris that I'm like Iris you need to break up with him right now because that that's saying that there's a way that that there's a path he can go down where he would be willing to kill you that is a man you should not be in a relationship with. Yeah, so, so, but-, but here's the reason here's the reason why and and this is this is a terribly sexist thing that I'm about to say <laughs> but here's the reason why uh, that is is believable even if it's stupid it's because women think that they can change men. Women think if mm. I if if I'm there, my love for him will make him not go evil. Yeah. Well, and that is that is why. I, and that is that is a literary trope as well as something that happens all too often in real life. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm smart enough not to touch that. But <laughs> right. There, there's a certain belief that some people have that anyone is willing to do anything if you give them the right, like, stimulus. But I don't believe that. I think there are certain character aspects that, you know, prevent you from doing something that heinous. And that there are some people, you know, that are, are incapable of being like that. And the fact that Fitz is capable of being like that is huge red flag. But anyway. Getting to a nature versus nurture argument. And... Right. Yeah, I mean, we could go one way or the other, but uh, I don't know. I mean, again, it, it, how much of fits and the framework was fits from you know a biochemical standpoint? And so, it, I don't know. I mean, in all honesty, Simmons, Simmons would be the one who could answer that uh, better than anyone else. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's the most qualified anyway. But yeah, yeah. I, I felt like at least somebody on the team should have been even if it wasn't Simmons, because she does have a prior relationship with him, someone on the team who witnessed what he did in the framework should have been mm-hmm. not okay with it. Because I feel like that would be a real reaction. And But he was at such a point where if someone else was not okay with it at that point in time, it might have pushed him mm-hmm. over the edge. So it might be that they did have problems with it, and they will come up, but at that time, that just had to be, for the sake of expediency, they just couldn't deal with it just then and there. Mm. No, it's true. Yeah. I mean, that's what, uh, I guess, talking to the good therapist, oh, I'm sorry, uh, he's gone, is for. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, oh. He turned into a monster. The, the, <laughs> I'm glad Lincoln didn't come back. Oh, thank God. Oh, my God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was worried. Although I knew when Sky, when they showed that the, 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 you couldn't see the face of the person on the bed when Sky gets out of the bath and there's a, fr- there's a f- picture frame and she's walking towards it, I'm like, it's Ward. <laughs> It's Ward. Oh my God! It's Ward. It's Ward. And she picks it up, and I'm like, "It's Ward." <laughs> I was just doing the same thing, except I was going, "Please let it be Ward. Please be Ward. Please be yes! Ward." Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, hmm. The uh, the only other two things I would kind of say about uh, the back, I guess, third of the season would be that I, I liked the way they brought it back to the Darkhold. I, I liked, and, and then yeah. Ghost Rider. It kind of brought it all together. It tied all three arcs into, into one cohesive um, mm-hmm. unit. Uh, I disagree with Jennifer. I thought the final episode was pretty darn good. It, it had its weak moments, but all in all, I thought it 
did a good job of tying it all together. And it's not sword. It's not, you know, watcher on the wall. It's just going to be Coulson in the pilot for the Inhumans to set it up. Hmm. Uh, Ryan, if you remember us talking in the last episode we did on the mid-season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., that was the problem we had with the Ghost Rider arc. We liked lots of aspects of it, but we felt like the Inhuman stuff that was kind of not worked in well into the Ghost Rider side of things. It felt like they were kind of trying to still deal with Inhuman stuff, but then it wasn't really, like, you know, merged together very well. But the rest of the season basically showed that they had a through line yeah. and that all that stuff just converged, because mm -hmm. I completely agree with you. Putting it back to Ghost Rider and the Darkhold at the end made the whole season feel like, you know, this was one entity rather than three. Yeah, absolutely. It, it The Watchdogs in the first third were kind of crap, but as it, it went along, and as lame as the Russian was, as the superior was, when he be, maybe became MODOK, it, it <laughs> became cool. <laughs> yeah. Right. All right. Eric, did you have anything more to say about uh, Agents of Hydra? I did really like the um, bittersweet moment at the end with Radcliffe. I thought that was very well done and kind of touching. Oh, yeah. I I'm surprised nobody brought up Hope. Because, uh. and maybe it's just because I'm a father, but... Oh my god, the feels of her just crying and being like, I don't want to uh, die, and just being like, and you know it has to happen. Mm -hmm. And to Mac, he's had seven years of being this girl's father. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and, and that's as real to him as it would be to anybody to lose their child and having her just cease to exist. You know, I mean, that was horrific to me, and I felt like that was the real emotional strength of that final episode, more so than anything that happened with Ada. I felt like Ada was resolved too quickly. Mm -hmm. If I'm going to say that there's anything weak about that final episode, it felt a little easy, although the fact that they faked her out with Ghost Rider Coulson, I did enjoy, because again, expectations subverted, and even though I feel like it is too easy for Ghost Rider to hot bodies... You know, I, I did like the fact that they subverted expectations and fooled her as much as they fooled me. And I also liked that, again, what happened in the framework didn't not matter. Mm -hmm. Double negative, sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, because then what it does is Mac, as the perennial half, you know, glass half full guy, is like, you know, I know what it's like to be a father. And I think I'd like to start, you know having a family here in this yeah. world. Yeah. Yeah, with Yo-Yo. And I thought that was a beautiful way of progressing their relationship story forward. Yeah. So I, I was really satisfied with that as well. So um, I'm guessing Yo-Yo is going to be promoted to a regular that, next season. That was great. when Because Mac's decision to stay for Hope was perfectly rational to him. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, that got me, but it wasn't surprising. Yo-Yo's decision to stay with Mac... That one, I was like, wow. I didn't even think about that, but it, it worked perfectly, and it showed just how much she cared for him and where mm -hmm. that relationship can go. Mm -hmm. I think one of the reasons why, uh, I mean, number one, not a parent, um, but but why that, that last thing was, was not as much of a gut punch for me was because throughout that, that episode, as soon as they said, oh, the world is collapsing, see, the world is collapsing, and we see the world is collapsing, I was like, okay, well, then the way this is going to go down is that Mac is going to stay until his daughter disappears and then he's going to go. <laughs> and then, and it was drawn out for the entire episode. And I'm like, yep. After, 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 you know, like we've been talking about how well this, this show subverted expectations and, and turned so many things on its head. That was just something where it was like, yep, that went down exactly the way I thought it was going to. Hmm. But you see for me that that wasn't Mac's story there. Yo -yos. Yes. 
I wasn't sure because of how much they had been subverting expectations. I still thought there was a way to surprise. <laughs> this is gonna sound bad as well. I mean, you know, maybe even worse than you know the whole sexist uh, um, <laughs> women want to change men. But uh, the moment they introduced and and talking about defying expectations, the moment they reintroduced Trip, I did have the thought: Well, Trip is back now. They're gonna kill Mac. He's gonna stay. In. Yes! Yes! Because there can only be one black guy on the show at the same time. So wrong. Another thing that was better in my head than what they did is that that final scene before their kidnap should have been shawarma Mm -hmm. instead of a diner. Mm -hmm. You know, if they had all gone out for shawarma, that would have been such a nice callback to Avengers. And I don't know, I I just felt like shawarma felt natural there. And I think it would have gotten a lot. Of, a lot of people would have reacted positively to that. You know, I wonder if they filmed two endings. That ending, it could have almost ended right there at the diner, like Avengers. Oh. So I, I mm-hmm. wonder if they filmed two endings, depending on whether or not the show got they picked got up. Renewed. Yeah, could very well be. But yeah, I think everybody's mentioned all the big stuff from Agents of Hydra. I loved seeing Ward again. I, I, I wish they'd been able to get some more people out of the framework. Because, yeah, I, I would have liked at least for Ward to get out. Um, Radcliffe, after he had been down the slippery slope this whole season, uh, I didn't know that I wanted him out of there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that the end that they gave him was fitting. But definitely would have liked good Ward. And I would have loved to have them have to explain good Ward to people. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, because that would have been so awkward. No, 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 this isn't the same guy. He looks exactly like him, has the same, like, you know, fingerprints, everything. But this is good Ward. <laughs> imagine, imagine Talbot losing, losing his uh, over that. I mean... Right. Well, oh, 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 Talbot, that reminds me of one other problem that I had. He shot through the middle of the forehead, and he's fine. He's just in a coma. What? Because, <laughs> because Doctor Who, you know, because it's a show. <laughs> they, can, they, can, they can do robot brain surgery on, on Coulson, so whatever. <laughs> yeah, they just put some blue stuff in. Um, yeah. <laughs> he's in Tahiti. Yeah, could be. So... Ryan. Yes. Oh, no, you already gave your theory for what that was at the end. Jen, do you have a theory for what that is at the end? I don't know. Um, I I don't. There's lots of uh, good theories out there that have, uh, you know, good roots in the comics and things like that. All I know is Coulson's on a spaceship and and we're not getting any more S.H.I.E.L.D. until January. And that makes me sad. Yeah. But at least it's coming back. So, you know. Yeah, I'm hearing mixed reports about that, too, because... The first articles that I was reading said, we're, you know, uh, uh, it's unclear how many episodes it's going to be. Then there was one article that said it's coming back for a 22-episode season. Then everybody was reporting it's a 22-episode season. But that could very well be what I've seen before. One place says something that's not well-sourced, mm-hmm. and then everyone else picks up on it from that original article. Because timeline-wise, it'll be very hard for them to have a 22-episode season yeah, if they don't start happening. until January. And so I'm... That's exactly what I said. Yep. Yeah, because I'm wondering if it's only 13, because that'll still get them to 100 episodes, mm-hmm. which is that mm-hmm. magic number that... For syndication. You know, for syndication. Or they're going to split it. Like, I mean, and they could be doing the whole, you know, get 22 episodes filmed at once, but then air, you know, the first half in 2018 and the second half in 2019. Mm-hmm. That's possible, too. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Do you, uh, do you guys have any, like, hopes for anything in the next season? Um, Ryan, we can start with you. I really just want them to keep up with the momentum here. Mm. I really feel like this season, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. found a way to be its own creature without having to... Yeah, 
we love that it exists in the MCU, but this season it carried its own mm-hmm. without yeah. needing to yeah, no, do no those direct tie-ins. Yes, exactly. It was only a thematic tie-in to Doctor Strange with the Darkhold, but even that's very tenuous. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was pretty weak in, even of itself. Um, uh, I they made Ghost Rider work in a way that I didn't think they were going to be able to, but. I th- wouldn't mind if they just kind of moved away from magic keep to the science keep to the spy aspect of it and do what they're doing that's working uh the only the only thing that i could think of since we're not getting bobby back but bring back hunter you know Mm -hmm. maybe maybe hunter you're talking about oh there's agents everywhere maybe hunter was building up a kind of a counter shield you know during all this time after he lost bobby tragically wasn't hunter in charge of sword at one point in the comics uh no it's always been abigail brand okay I thought he was a maybe maybe Hunter Hunter is a very hybrid character. He's a mix between Dominic Fortune and um oh, I think he's a mix between Dominic Fortune and um oh wow, he shares his name with uh Quartermain. He's a mix hmm. between Alan Quartermain and uh Dominic Fortune. Even though Fortune was technically cast for uh the spin-off show that never happened. Hmm. There you have it. All well, right. Jen, do you have any hopes for next season? I hope we get 23 episodes. <laughs> I uh, I think that I think that one of the lessons learned from this season and and somebody brought this up earlier um that I think was absolutely true was that much like the MCU the MCU succeeds because they're not trying to make a superhero movie over and over and over 20 something times they're making different genres of movie every time and that happen to have superheroes in them and I think this season was a great example of what you can do when you say, no, we're not just we're not just going to make one season and try and try and stretch it out, you know, to to be 23 episodes of the same thing. Let's make three different series with with three different you know, look and feel and, you know, different guest cast and different, you know, different everything, but have these same characters in different situations. And I think that's one of the biggest strengths of the MCU. And I think they, they hit on a way of bringing that down to the small screen. And I hope they do that again. I hope they, they pick another, you know, two or three or four themes and, and break it up into, uh, into issues you know or chapters the way that they did this year because i think it worked really well eric do you have any hopes for next year besides sword oh yeah mine's (laughs) mine's a big one um so i have to preface this by saying a few things obviously on shield itself we've gotten the cyborgs we've gotten androids we've gotten life model decoys we've gotten ghost riders and sif and the gamut of the marvel universe and then obviously on other TV things, we're about to get Runaways. We've got Cloak and Dagger. We got Iron Fist. We got Daredevil. We got all these things. And speaking of Iron Fist, so I think it's time for something that is connected to um, to uh, Shield very well. I think it's time for the Agents of Atlas. Okay. Right, you could hear a pin drop there because none of us are familiar with that. <laughs> Ryan, really nothing? Oh, I, I, I had mute. <laughs> Oh, Agents of Atlas. I went, hmm. I don't see it happening. I kind of don't see it happening, but I think they could do it. Basically, the Agents of Atlas is an organization that also has a giant dragon attached to it. And it's basically Green Hornet Marvel style, but with a shield twist. Hmm. Okay. And basically, a shield agent named Jimmy Woo basically gets 
in possession slash becomes the leader of what is called the agents Atlas and has um his own basically super team they have a they have an they have a robot who's basically uh basically similar to the robot from um the day the earth stood still who the Gort. name of the what Gort yeah thank you I couldn't think of Gort's name then they have uh name Marita they have didn't they have a gorilla yeah yeah, they have a guy who is cursed into becoming a gorilla, so they basically okay. have a gorilla grod. <laughs> they have um they have a Marvel boy and then they have a um woman that's basically a, a mix between um she can basically control people with the power of her um her voice. And like if she sings to someone it it controls them and she's she's awesome. She's kind of a telepath in in a in a way. But um like I said, it's very Green Hornet where they appear like they're the bad guys, even though they're technically the good guys trying to do good things. And it's a very cool system because I, I think we have a better chance of the agents of Atlas than the quite literally literal howling commandos led by a werewolf by night. I really don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. <laughs> you know, but the agents I, of I, Atlas I are say- awesome. To be fair, I would have thought we we're never getting Ghost Rider in mm-hmm. Agents of Shield. I thought yeah. if anything, it would be a Netflix show. Yep. Nate, I I actually guarantee. Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. I guarantee you'd love this book. It's uh, by Jeff Parker, and you would. It's definitely cheap on uh, on Comicsology if you ever get the chance. I guarantee you'd love Agents of Atlas because you'll see exactly why I think it would it would be fun to see it on the uh, on either the small screen or the big screen. And I really feel like it would fit in with the uh, overall themes and ideas they've been throwing in Agents uh, Agents of Shield these last couple of seasons. It's also worth mentioning here that by the time Agents of Shield comes back, it's we will have had defenders and who uh, maybe punisher and possibly jessica jones too and then at the same time we've also maybe the runaways will be out and cloak and mm-hmm. dagger mm-hmm. and there's i think another one that i'm forgetting so the marvel tv universe is going to be a lot more expanded and a lot larger and agents of shield is going to have to defend its turf in that area in a way that it's never had to before the one that you're forgetting is the new Warriors sitcom yes. that oh, they're yep. developing. That they have said that they've said is possibly going to be the first TV project that isn't going to happen in the same universe mm-hmm. because it's going to be a sitcom. So it's going to be more like Powerless on NBC. Uh, maybe it's and, the framework. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I mean, for me, the thing that I hope strongly, and the fact that they're starting in January helps with this, is. No more tie-ins, guys. You can tie in with Infinity War, maybe. But don't have feel like you have to tie in with Black Panther or Thor Ragnarok. You know, you don't have to do a follow-up to Thor Ragnarok when you start the season or anything like that. Because that's what plagued S.H.I.E.L.D. in its early seasons, mm-hmm. was these tie-ins. The only one that worked was the Winter Soldier one. I'll, I'll, I'll say that there was, there was at least one other one which wasn't a big tie-in, but acknowledging the death of Pe- Peggy Carter the same week that she died in the movie, I thought was was very good and was something that tied directly into the movie. Not to mention the fact that Age of Ultron, the the reason that the Avengers are going to the place they're going at the beginning of that movie is because of information that Coulson found out. And additionally, right before that, um, there's a, a mission that they're on, and Sitwell uh, gets a message and says, that was Director Fury, I gotta go, uh, he needs me to be on a boat. And then that's exactly where he was in uh, in Age of Ultron. So I think that I think that if we're... we're Winter Soldier. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, you're right. But I think that, that 
you know, when we're thinking about things like the Thor tie-in that they attempted that was a total failure, you know, that was bad. But I think they've done things that tied in that were that were great. See, I, I disagree about Age of Ultron personally. I thought it was completely unnecessary because in the in the Age of Ultron, the Avengers say, you know, this is the last Hydra base. You know, it made it sound like they got the intel themselves. So I that would have been fine. It didn't need Agents of Shield, and Agents of Shield had to sort of like go somewhere in its plot that it really didn't need to go in. It felt like sort of like a sidestep to, to, to do that whole thing so that they could tie in with Age of Ultron. I didn't feel like it was necessary. I'm going to blame that one on Joss Whedon. Joss Whedon wanted to do his so his own thing mm-hmm. so bad in Age of Ultron. Yeah, he'd already decided at that point in time that he wasn't acknowledging Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So that's I think that's kind of on him. Which is kind of so dumb because he's an executive producer of it, but yeah. But yeah, what I'm saying is it doesn't need to tie into Black Panther. It doesn't need to tie into Thor Ragnarok. If they want to tie into uh, Infinity War, that's big enough that if there's some way they can do it that makes makes sense sense, for the show. Or in fact, if Infinity War, if Feige's been teasing us and really he's been planning all along for Infinity War to have a cameo or something with the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I I understand it's a long shot, (laughs) I'm just saying. If, if, if that's been like something they've just been, yeah, at least if Coulson just makes a cameo or something, then that would be beautiful if they could tie it in that way. But otherwise, you know, if it if they have to do something weird with the storyline to make it fit in with a tie-in with another movie, just don't do it. Just do Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, that's that's all I want from them. Uh, one thing that I, I did just remember that disappointed me about that final part of the arc is that we had to get rid of S.H.I.E.L.D. yet again, and I'm assuming that's because of Spider-Man uh, Homecoming coming up, and that there's probably no S.H.I.E.L.D. in Spider-Man Homecoming, so they felt like, oh, by the end of the season, even though we've reinstituted S.H.I.E.L.D. at the beginning of the season, we have to get rid of it again, because, you know, otherwise people will ask why there aren't S.H.I.E.L.D. agents, you know, looking up enhanced individuals and stuff. That's an interesting thought. I, I hadn't even thought about how Spider-Man might tie into it. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. But I, I would imagine Spider-Man would be... That would, it depends whether or not Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or rather uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. is the enforcer of the Sokovian Accords. And how mm-hmm. that that's, what, that's what they made it seem like for the first half of the season was that it was S.H.I.E.L.D.'s job, at least in the U.S., to tag all of the enhanced individuals and keep track of them. Yeah. And that they were the ones enforcing the Sokovia Accord. So yeah, I mean, I, I would, I was hoping that they were just going to let shield be and just acknowledge maybe in a movie that shield was back and not give many details around it. But you know, it's, it wasn't to be. And I think that's because again of this uh, thing between Feige and the TV verse that, uh, you know, he doesn't want to acknowledge anything that they do. So don't no no. You're making that sound like it's Faye's fault. You you want you you oh can't God. blame yeah. yeah you can't blame Je- you can't put this on Jeff Loeb either and you can't just say TV universe it it's all Pearl Mutter. If mm. Pearl Mutter didn't keep interfering, there would be no split. It's all Pearl Mutter's fault. Well, even when they were together though under the same structure, they never wanted the move. The movies never tried to acknowledge the show. The show acknowledged the movies. But that and there was, was more of that. That was the decision of the individual directors working on the films and not the actual not the actual expanded universe. It really was up to there were interviews where it was specifically stated it was up to the directors on whether or not they wanted to tie in the movies and the TV shows. It was not that's why that's why there's the interconnected stuff between Winter Soldier and the Russo brothers is cuz the Russo brothers, you know, have heavy investments in television and wanted to tie in as opposed to Whedon by the time Age of Ultron was around didn't 
didn't necessarily care about the show, which made no sense because he directed the first episode. Uh, if you watch Winter Soldier, it doesn't look like they went out of their way to do anything with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. went out of its way to take the script, which they had advanced you know, advanced info on. They were able to get the scripts early and write around those scripts to tie their show in with the movie. Because um, they've I've read interviews about that, too, that that's how they were able to do that. But anyway, just last question here. we got to move on. Well, how do you guys feel like the Friday 9 o'clock time slot is going to affect Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? We all knew it was the last season. Remember when Friday nights were... Uh, <laughs> remember when Friday nights were actually a night that we looked forward to? I remember yeah. TGI Fridays. Yeah, TGIF. I, I don't know. I, I think it's definitely... I mean, people are saying, well, expectations are less on a Friday night. I, I think... It, of course, I thought putting it at 10 o'clock was ABC's way of trying to justify killing uh, the I show. I agree, yeah. yeah. But but now they moved it to Friday, and so it's like... It's, I, I feel like this is their trying to justify killing the show, so who knows? Um, I, I certainly think that their reasoning that putting it with Once Upon a Time makes it the fantasy genre night... Uh, is a little tenuous because I don't think that those two shows have much intersection in their audiences. So I don't think it's... I don't, and I don't think people, You and I would suggest otherwise, Nathan. Well, yeah, but I mean, <laughs> most people I know that watch one don't watch the other. Eh. You and I do. But I think that there's a lot of people like me that, that like, for example, I think there's a lot of people that at some point have watched both and gave up mm-hmm. on one or the other of them. I think right. there's probably a lot of people that, that, you know, that watch Once Upon a Time that watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and gave up on it during one of the one of the periods where it kind of sucked. <laughs> and if you put them back to back, they'll be like, oh, well, you know, I would have to actually change the channel or I could just sit here and watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I think it's not a terrible idea. I, I think it could work. I, I don't think I, I don't think there's anything else. The, the only thing that would make a lot more sense was if they showed it back to back within humans, which would be mm-hmm. the smartest thing to do. But they're not going to do that because because reasons. I don't know. <laughs> they can only have one Marvel show on at a time. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I just wanted to throw out my two cents about that because I thought that was a weird thing and and i agree with you i mean i know a lot of people who watched once upon a time for a few seasons and gave up i also know a lot of people who watched the first season of agents of shield and gave Mm -hmm. up and so maybe that will cause it but usually people don't want to jump into the seventh season of the show or the fifth season of the show if they've missed all that stuff in between so i still think it's kind of uh i don't think it's really gonna help maybe but on the other hand i started breaking bad in season four and you know now I'm like the world's biggest brand. and 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 nobody around today started Doctor Who Year One so you know there's that. <laughs> well, I'm sure somebody there. is still around who did, but yeah, nobody that yeah. I know and probably no one right. know. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, all right. Um, well, since we went kind of long here, uh, I think it's time for us to say goodbye and let people know where they can find us. So, uh, Eric, why don't we start with you? Uh, I am the easiest man to find on the internet, as Nate knows. You can go on my Twitter, and that has all my information on it. It's just at Eric Ratcliffe, because I am... I can't make the usual joke, because I have to censor myself on your show. (laughs) I'm a basic something. We'll go with that. (laughs) Okay. Um, it's such a millennial joke too. I I feel I feel old saying it. Anyways, uh, 
Uh, and you can check out the latest edition of the Why I Love Comics podcast, in which I was joined by the extremely talented and awesome horror artist, artist Jason McKittrick of Cryptocarium. And he has one of the subscription boxes, which is called the, the Parcel of Terror, which has all these cool magnets and wall hangers and other cool things in it. Uh, he does themes like... Um, like uh, it is in this month, so you get a, a wall magnet of um, the clown from it. And then you have the dog from the thing. Uh, his wall plaques are all based on uh, Edgar Allan Poe work right now. So I have actually sitting, well, hanging on my wall right now. I have the Red Death and um, the Telltale Heart. And next month is actually the Raven, which is really cool. Uh, I forget what this month is, but I'm still looking forward to it. But uh, yeah. Definitely check out that. And you can even, if you don't want to listen to it and want to watch it instead, it is a live episode on my uh, on my uh, YouTube page that you can go check out as well, which is also linked through pretty much everywhere. You can easily find my YouTube page through my Twitter or my or the podcast feed or wherever. Like I said, easiest person on the Internet. All right. Cool deal. Uh, Jen, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you? Goodbye. I'm uh, online. Uh, I'm primarily on Facebook. I do not do the Twitters. You can find me on uh, primarily on Earth Station MCU. Uh, and of course, we also have the Earth Station MCU podcast, which if you like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you should be listening to it. Um, I, uh, As I mentioned at the that very, very long ago point at the beginning of the show, um, <laughs> that uh, I, I just finished a, a hell semester or Maymester for school. And I'm going to be getting caught up with the last three episodes um, of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which should be coming out in the next week or so, maybe, hopefully. We'll see. All right, excellent. And Ryan, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you? Well, again, I will never say goodbye to the Internet. Uh, (laughs) We are as one, even if you don't acknowledge it, Internet. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I will say you can find me on Twitter at GeekStranger. That's one word, GeekStranger, which is all. Also, my website, geekstranger.com, which is still not up to date. Uh, it was killed by Batman vs. Superman, but I am cautiously optimistic that Wonder Woman is going to bring it back to life. I, I think there's a certain symmetry in regards to that. Yeah, you've been promising bringing your website up to date for months now. You can't even update one portion of it. <laughs> it's a lot harder than you would think, you know? There's code involved. <laughs> I, I would have agreed with you until I started my own website, and I now know how it can be done and how easy it is. <laughs> yeah, if you use the templates, but I like to tweak things. I'm weird like that. <laughs> well, it's your own fault. But I, you're not wrong. I need to I need to update it. Spoiler-wise, I, I will say as a, a final thing for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and just the collective Marvel Universe as a whole, that in my most recent, in the current, in the third season of The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, there is an irreverent tie-in. Kimmy, the, Kimmy Schmidt is in the same universe as Orange is the New Black and Daredevil. So if they can do it, so can Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And, and that's all well, I will say on that. There's the Tommy Westfield universe theory, and uh, I, I don't think they've tied in the, uh, the, the MCU to it yet, but it'll, it'll happen eventually. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us. And uh, it was a pleasure having you on the show and hope to have you back again sometime soon. Woo-hoo. 
And there's the end of our Agents of Hydra episode. I hope that you enjoyed it because we had a good time making it. But uh, we would like some feedback from you. So let us know what you thought of the episode. You can do that in a variety of ways. One way is to go to our website, which is 42cast.com, and comment on any of the episode titles, including this one. You can also contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash 42cast. You can also contact us on Twitter at at 42cast. You can also leave us feedback on Stitcher Radio and iTunes, or you can email us at our email address, which is everything at 42cast.com. So other than that, I did want to remind everyone about the 42Cast uh, paraphernalia on the uh, T Public website. Uh, that's along with a lot of other swag for the uh, Earth Station One network. But if you go to that page, which is linked in the show notes for uh, our previous episode, episode 19, you can uh, select from any of the uh, stuff that you see there. You can get t-shirts, coats, sweaters, mugs, tote bags, just about whatever you want uh, with any of those designs. So check that out uh all the proceeds do support the station and so it keeps us producing podcasts that you enjoy like this one or at least hopefully (laughs) but uh anyway uh, so um that's the end of tonight's episode please join us back next week when gal gadot will not be joining us and until then this is nathan signing off You've been listening to the 42Cast, copyright 2017. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42Cast.com. Theme music is Sharper Swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. Incidental music is provided with permission by Fur DK. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com.